All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Starcade Media Studios with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Episode 183, full swing, full motion. We are so happy to be here with you guys and for you to be here with us. Whether you are live streaming, podcasting, or YouTubing, we want to appreciate and say we appreciate you being with us here this week because for the first time in what feels like forever, which is I think only about seven months and some change, we are going to preview Chiefs. Football. We Back, have baby. a real game to break down, discuss, predict, and man, do we have some takes for you guys. And again, once again, thank you all so much for being here, a part of all this. If you've not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, we would love it if you went over there and subscribed to that immediately. If not, we will find you. We have all of your addresses. I'm just kidding. We, we don't have any of your addresses. You. Maybe some of you. Maybe some of your addresses, but we'll keep that incognito. That's between us because we're friends. Our guy, Eddie Ortiz, if you have not noticed yet, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo is not here today. Well, we're hoping he'll make an appearance later on today. He had some uh, some circumstances come up earlier today, some unforeseen circumstances. He's fine. I promise you guys, I know he was wanting to really gloat on his Bills prediction because not only does he had, not only did he have the Bills beating the Rams in the first game of the season la- this last Thursday, but he actually has the Bills winning the Super Bowl over the Rams. And I, was, I, was, I know Eddie wanted to do a little moonwalk on the show. But like I said, he's good. He's fine. Uh, he had some work stuff come up hopefully he will be able to join us later on today if not you guys will hear plenty about his gloating i'm sure on uh, on facebook and maybe even twitter he might even get on twitter this week i don't know i haven't seen eddie on twitter in forever but maybe he'll go on there and do a little moonwalk and celebratory for what he predicted because he's been right to this point and i have not been right trevor you also picked the bills first of all trev how are we doing this week man we're doing good man uh, excited to talk about this game we have some real football to prepare for um I got a lot of bets on this game, so hopefully uh, I can win some money this week as well. Well, let's uh, let's get into what we already know has taken place. We know that the the, the NFL, the 2022-23 NFL season, is has officially kicked off. We had a what was supposed to be a very monumental game to start the season. Uh, the the Bills and the Rams was supposed to be a game that many people many people are predicting to be a, a Super Bowl preview. Uh, not myself personally. I know Trevor, you feel a lot differently as well. But these are two of the best organizations in all of football. We know the Rams are defending Super Bowl champions. We know the Bills have been what, I mean, it's not even mistakenly been the, the Super Bowl darlings, if you will, yep. this entire offseason. And we know that Josh Allen is the uh, foreseeable MVP by most people's uh, standards. We know that going into the season, he was a plus 750 for MVP. And after that win against the Rams this week, he dropped down all the way down to 300 points. Now he's a plus 450. So he is the uh, odds-on favorite right now to win MVP. And I'm going to have some takes on that in just a second as well. But let's let's get down to the brass tacks of this game and this matchup because I watched every single snap of this game. I was I was feeding for some real football. And again, this was a matchup many people were looking forward to, myself included. 
And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to I'm going to say some things that might shock some people because I know that out there in the social media stratosphere, I'm known as a uh, Josh Allen and, and Buffalo Bills hater, which is not true whatsoever. I give people credit where credit is due, and that's actually what I'm going to do right now. The Bills and Josh Allen in particular were phenomenal in this game. Yep. Josh Allen looked as good as he has ever looked. He looked prepared. He looked sharp. He looked precise. You know that whole saying in midseason form? That's what he looked like this in this game. This is a, a big, big game. 21-plus million people watched this game live, not including the, the stacked house. You had The Rock doing pregame stuff. You had The Little Mermaid doing stuff. You had all this stuff going on. There like was five Rams fans there. Yeah, there was like at least yeah. at least three and a half to five Rams fans. Yeah. A half was a, you know, a child. Um, but, yeah, there was, there was a, a packed house, and Bills Mafia was there. The whole world was watching. All the pressure has been on the Bills because all the expectation is on the Bills. The, the Rams already got their nut. We know that Matt Stafford and those guys already got their ring. Yep. So you knew that, yes, they're probably still motivated, driven. You know, Aaron Donald comes back, gets a large extension. Sean McVay decides to stay around and be the coach. This, te- this team should be a Super Bowl contender. But all the pressure was on the Bills going into this game, which is why I picked against the Bills. Because I felt that the Rams were going to have that inside advantage of playing loose, playing free. They're at home. They're the Super Bowl champs. They're going to come in here and say, hey, look, everyone's expecting the Rams to win. They're the favorites on the road to start the season. We're disrespected. There was a lot of motivating factors for the Rams, and there was very little pressure on them. It was their banner ceremony, their ring ceremony, all that stuff. And the Rams went in there and just and the, the Bills went in there and just whooped the Rams' ass. Yep. Now... I'm going to give a lot of credit, like I said, to the Bills because the Bills came in there and did what they were supposed to do. Their defense looked sharp. Their secondary would look phenomenal, even though they had a bunch of rookies and unproven talents going out there and playing. Uh, Even their first-round pick, Elam, didn't even play most of the game. He was playing with the second and third guys. And then the way the the Bills didn't punt in this game is what was most impressive to me. The way that Josh Allen was able to get the ball out quick. You saw that he was not allowing Aaron Donald to dictate the pace of play. He wasn't letting him get in the backfield and get to Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen was taking some hits, and I do have some concerns about that, and we can discuss that as we go about this. But I have to first and foremost start this off by saying that the Bills really silenced some critics in this game. Josh Allen went out there and looked as good as he has ever looked. He was quick, precise, efficient, completed 84% of his passes, threw for 297 yards, had three uh, throwing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, 56 rushing yards on 10 rushes, so it's 5.6 yards per rush. And he absolutely dribbled Scott, the defensive back for the Rams, off the ground like a damn basketball, which was very impressive to watch. Um, And and I know Josh Allen's going to show in the box score that he had two interceptions. I, I will definitely not put that first one on him yeah. and this is what i always talk about when i say because i tweeted it out as soon as it happened when uh, i think it was isaiah mckenzie that dropped the ball yeah I, I i put there i put out there welcome to patrick mahomes as hell josh allen because that is literally what half of patrick mahomes is that's where half of patrick mahomes interceptions came from last season was tip drill bad bad hands from his receivers primarily tyreek hill that led to those types of interceptions and people consider and go oh well the box score shows he threw two picks Man, that first pick was definitely not on him. You could debate about the second one. It was it was a forced ball. Mm-hmm. I don't feel his receiver ran to the ball to go and get it, but it was it was a pretty forced ball, so I can put that one on Josh Allen. But if we're going to put one bad throw on Josh Allen, that means he had himself a great night, especially against a defense that's supposed to be as great as the Rams' defense is. Jalen Ramsey, and I'm going to talk about him in a second. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but again, I want to reemphasize the fact that Josh Allen went in there and made an absolute statement and deserves to be an MVP candidate. The Bills deserve to be a Super Bowl candidate because they went out there and proved themselves and put out an absolute beatdown on the Rams. Now, where I will flip it, though, because as great as the Bills looked, 
The Rams looked equally as bad. The Rams were terrible in this game in all facets. Outside of Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald, yeah. I don't know there was a single good player on the Rams field on the Rams team this that week. The O line was atrocious, man. The O line looked horrible. I mean, Andrew, I know losing Andrew Whitworth is always going to be a problem, yeah. but it wasn't even just the left tackle that was that was bad. Their guard play was horrible. I mean, the Bills were just absolutely teeing off on Matt Stafford Von all Miller. night. Von Miller was having his way. Von Miller was dominating. And yeah. I've been somebody that's been critical in that Von Miller situation because I felt they overpaid him, and he's an older player. And, I, and I'm going to con- contextualize Von Miller's efforts in this game because, of course, it's week one. Yeah. He's going back out to L.A. where he won a title. There's a lot of juice flowing for Von Miller. I don't think we're ever going to see Von Miller that good again this season. He was that good this game, and that's all that really mattered in this context. But the Rams, I mean, they look like a team that hadn't even practiced together. Matt Stafford was offline on all of his throws. His timing was off. You could tell that arm, it, there's something not right about his arm. I'm not saying it's going to be like this all season. Cause I expect Matt Stafford to get back in his stride, and I expect the Rams to get back in his stride and be a Super Bowl contender this season. I think they're just too great. Sean McVay is too great of a head coach. Uh, he, I, to me, he's the second-best coach in the NFL right now. It's still a stacked roster. They're, they're, yes, yeah. they're going to be fine. But in this game, they just looked absolutely lethargic, unmotivated. Everything I expected them to be, they were the opposite of that. Now, again, I'm giving the Bills all the credit in the world. They won this game. I'm not going to sit here and say the Rams gave this game away. Mm. But the Rams sure as hell helped the Bills win this game. They looked unmotivated on defense. They were inefficient on defense. They didn't capitalize on certain instances when they got turnovers. When the defense gave Matt Stafford an opportunity, he turned the ball right back over. Horrific throws. The no-look pass to Cooper Cup. Yeah. It's one of those that when if it goes down, it's like that bad three-pointer. If it goes down, you're like, oh, shit, that, yeah. that was a bad choice, but it went down. It's a bank shot. It's that Nick Young shot. Yeah. Yeah. If Cooper if Cooper goes up there and snags that ball one-handed, we're like, oh, what a no-look. Holy shit. Yeah. It, you know, it's the top play of the of ESPN's top plays. But he didn't get it, and it was a horrific throw, and it went it literally was tip drill right to the defender. All in all, man, I think this is a, a tale of two different teams right now that were just went that went in opposite directions. It was the perfect storm for the Bills because they played a really good game, but they got zero pushback from their opposition in the Rams. The Rams did not make that a game. I know the first half was close in score, but if you were actually watching the game, you knew who was the better team, and it was without question the Bills. So yeah. hats off to the Bills for what they did. They went out there and put an absolute ass beaten on the on the defending Super Bowl champions, but the defending Super Bowl champions had no heart, no life, no juice, and for that, it's no it's no shock to us that the Rams lost a three touchdown deficit in their opening series or the opening game of the season. It's going to be really shocking. McVay's got a lot of a lot of work on his hands because if this offensive line doesn't get better, I don't know if Matt Stafford's going to survive the season. So. Congratulations to the Bills. You guys put it up an absolute beatdown on the defending Super Bowl champions. You guys did what you, you guys sought out to do. Josh Allen looked amazing. I look to see how that's going to go throughout the season because you know if we know anything about this Bills team, they're very inconsistent as the season goes on. They'll have a big, impressive victory, and they go out there and struggle against a far inferior opponent. But at the end, at the end of the day, going into this next week, we got to give them their flowers. Yep. They under, they earned this. The Rams didn't. What are your thoughts, Trevor? Yeah, I mean, um, like I like I like I saw it happening like i think the, i thought the bills were going to win handedly uh i didn't i didn't think it was going to be to that degree um the first half was pretty competitive honestly if we we're if we we're everyone for everyone that was watching like there was a couple turnovers per team uh the rams obviously still didn't look like themselves from the jump uh stafford just didn't look energetic he didn't look and he was getting beat up the whole time uh it was just a it, there was just a tale of two different teams man like one team was just had all the juice all the momentum uh, was back for vengeance. And I think that's going to be the story of the Bills this year. I think they're going to go out there and try to do that. 
uh, uh, every week. I think they're going to try to make a statement every week because they're they're fueled by that that you know that that heart wrenching loss to the Chiefs, and I get it. We've been we've been a part of some Chiefs teams that were you know had heart wrenching losses. Granted, you know like the uh, 2018, you know what I mean. So losing to the Patriots and coming back that next year and having that vengeance on our heart, uh, yeah, it's it's a motivating thing, and I I see that in the eyes of Josh Allen, and that's a scary man right there. That guy, uh, he's in. A, this is why I have them with the best record this season. This is I mean I've, I'm bought into the hype of I don't have them as my Super Bowl favorite obviously, um, but I am bought into the hype of this train that is the Bills team this year. I think they're great. They're talented all from top to bottom. Um, very impressive performance against the the, the world champs. Um, but I, I will say that the the Rams, as great as they are, they probably have the worst home field advantage if there is even any slight advantage at all. I mean that that any team visiting you hear that crowd far more than you hear the home crowd. Um, so that's that's rough, uh, but I want to see more from Stafford. Stafford couldn't stay on his feet; he was getting hit left and right. Uh, Cooper Cup is incredible; still got his, but there's always so much you can do. Um, they didn't really get Allen Robinson, which I was pretty surprised. I didn't really get Allen Robinson involved much at all, um, and he was dealing with the other. You know, he wasn't. I don't know. I just I just didn't see much out of Allen Robinson. They didn't get him much targets. I think he was targeted like three times. Had one catch for like 12 yards. Got to see more out of him. That was a very hyped addition to that roster this offseason. Um, and uh, didn't see much of him. And this is a, a big, arguably one of the biggest home openers or openers for a season I've seen in a while is these two juggernauts. So, um, yeah, all around is a dominant performance from the from the Bills, man. Uh, Josh Allen looks great. Stephon Diggs was burning. Jalen Ramsey was – that was maybe the worst performance I think I've ever seen of him. He, had, he allowed a perfect passer rating uh, when he was targeted. So – that's inexcusable for the highest paid and arguably, you know, touted as the best uh, uh, corner in the league. You know, I mean, you got to be better than that. So, um, I'm, I know this team will get better as the season goes on, but I think this is going to be a, a bumpier, a much bumpier path for the Rams this year than it was last year. I mean, you losing Von Miller, you know, an elite Hall of Fame edge rusher, Super Bowl MVP caliber edge rusher, and you know, you're facing him that in that that week one opener as a it's a tough dynamic, you know. What I mean, so and not only do you lose your best pass rush or pass rusher, you lose your 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 best offensive lineman in the same offseason. You know, that's a, that's a tough thing to overcome. Uh, as great as Stafford is, as great as these offensive weapons are, um, as great as Coach McVay is, that's something that's tough to overcome. Those are two very very important key positions on a football team. So, um, this is why I'm not too big on the Rams this year. I think they will make the playoffs, but I just I think they're they're an early exit waiting to happen. But it was an entertaining, entertaining game most uh, most of it. Uh, towards the end, but I do have a problem with uh, uh, um, Coach McDermott running Josh Allen. I don't know if those were the play calls. I think that a lot of that was Josh Allen's just, just you know that that momentum in his heart just kind of going, and he was really wanting to you know make a statement. He was getting to a lot of guys' faces and stuff, and really rattling people, and he was just wanting to run over people like late in the fourth when they're up double digits. And it's just like I that is a stupid thing. No matter how big you are, we've seen Cam Newton take big injuries. We've seen guys like that. We've seen all the great running. Quarterbacks have taken injuries uh, um, for unnecessary, uh, you know, plays. So, yeah, I don't want to see that. If I'm a Bills fan, that's not really what I want to see. I granted, in the moment, it's fun, but uh, I don't think that's a very smart decision. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with you on that. And that was actually my next point that I was gonna make because of the fact that we all know that the 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 Bills is as loaded of a roster as we assume they have going deeper into this season 
we all know that at the end of the day, it's Josh Allen or bust. Just like it is here in Kansas City. Just like that is here in, in Green Bay with with you know Aaron Rodgers. The team is built Tom around Tom Brady. Go down the list of all the most valuable quarterbacks in the entire league. You know that that's what it comes down to is having uh, that, that superstar talent. So this is why when I was talking during the game, I was telling you that this is why I'm, I'm totally okay with the Eli Manning, the Peyton Manning, the Tom Brady approach where you see that pressure, a guy coming at you, you drop down and just live for another down. I'm okay with that because you know why? All three of those guys played over 18 seasons in their career, and there's a reason why. They stayed healthy. So as big and as strong and as athletically gifted as Josh Allen is, Taking those types of unnecessary hits, especially in a game that was almost a foregone conclusion, they had the game pretty much wrapped up because yeah. the Rams could not do anything offensively whatsoever. I felt like that was very unnecessary, to be honest with you. Even if that was what Josh Allen was doing in his own instinctually, as a head coach, Sean McDermott should have said, hey, enough of that shit. Get the ball out. Run the ball. You know, Have, have a running back take the ball from you. Do not be putting your body in harm's way. You have well, 16 more games to go. Well, and we know egos is a, is a hell of a thing, man. And a lot of these defenders, and they know they're getting their asses kicked, and Josh Allen's out there still trying to run you over. Right. You don't think somebody's going to want to take a cheap shot in your ass when emotions didn't up getting the best of you in the heat of the moment, and they're getting embarrassed in their home field? Yeah. At any moment, one of those guys say, you know what, screw this, bro. I'm taking, yeah. your, I'm taking your leg out. Right. There's dudes out there that will do that. Right. You know, this is football. There's always there's always been those guys. So I mean that that's just not something I would want to put my quarterback that position. I wouldn't put like my quarterback in. So that's yeah. Some 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 praise I want to give to another to another Bills player is Gabriel Davis. Mm. Um, and I have I have a question. I know it's been been thrown out there thrown out there a lot lately, but I want to kind of add it to our show. Uh, is the fact that Gabriel Davis to me is a budding star. I really believe this kid is is an absolute figurehead for the Bills' success. I truly believe that because Stephon Diggs is obviously wide receiver one. Mm. Stephon Diggs is one of the ten best receivers in football. But Gabriel Davis's addition and his effectiveness and how productive he's been over just his last three it's games is unbelievable. Think yeah. about it. In his last three games, Gabriel Davis has six touchdowns. Oh, yeah. That's wild. Now, four of them came against the damn Chiefs in the divisional game. Now, luckily, the Chiefs won that game. But the fact is that this guy is out there putting up numbers. And I just I have to acknowledge the fact that I think the Bills finally have themselves a, a two-headed monster at wide receiver because it's been Diggs and then everybody else. Yeah. And then you have Dawson Knox, who's a solid tight end, got himself a nice little extension. But I think that now they have a legitimate, solidified, and bona fide wide receiver, too, in Gabriel Davis. And I think that's going to add a big dimension for them going down this path, which is an other reason why I think Josh Allen needs to keep himself in the pocket a lot more. We we both talked about it. The, the first half, Josh Allen wasn't running very much. And we're like, oh, okay, they're going to play more of a conservative approach. They're already getting their third down conversions. They didn't punt. So they're like, well, there's no reason to run Josh, which is an even more confusing situation as to why he was doing it later in the game, taking unnecessary hits. He got hit like 11 times in this game. Yeah. I, just, I, I think for the longevity of things, because we talk about how if we make a comparison for Josh Allen, he's like Cam Newton on steroids. He has the physical gifts that Cam Newton had, but he's a much better throw over the football. Well, just like Cam Newton, though, if you take all these unnecessary hits, your body's going to break down. Even though you were a freak athlete, Cam Newton is probably the greatest athlete we've ever seen at the quarterback position. Yeah. But it didn't matter because by 30, 31 years old, he was done. His body was just shot. Josh Allen's 26 years old. He keeps taking hits like this for another two or three years. That could be the same story for him, which is why, again, I know everybody thinks I'm just some paranoid Patrick Mahomes Chiefs fan. Not Vince, no, man. I don't want Patrick taking unnecessary hits. Yeah. I love Patrick's mobility. I he love the fact he typically doesn't. Exactly. He, yeah. and, but Josh Allen does. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. That's why I think it's, if, for, if I'm a Bills fan, 
fan, I'm petitioning strong. Josh, stay in the damn pocket and just pick and choose when you want to use your legs. Because when he uses his legs, he's effective as hell. He's, you can make the case he's the most effective running 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 quarterback in the league over even Lamar Jackson. Kyler Cause, Murray. Because Lamar and Kyler will get the yards. Yeah. But Josh Allen has never had a season where he's gotten less than six rushing touchdowns. In fact, since he's been in the league, only Cam Newton has more rushing touchdowns than him, which is ironic because that's the comparison. Yeah. So I think that Josh Allen has to really give himself a chance. And here I am almost like making a case for the Bills give two shits. But the fact remains, if we want to see good quality football and we want to see a budding rivalry between the the Bills and the Chiefs, if in fact there is one, because right now there isn't one, the Chiefs own them in the playoffs, that's the only way is if, if Josh Allen stays healthy. That's the only way it's going to happen. Now, I also want to, I want to get your thoughts on this, Trevor, because I've been battling uh, and debating on this one as far as which one is more real when it comes to the way this game played out. Do you think it's more? Do you think there's a better chance the Bills stay that great, or the Bills or the Rams stay that bad? Because the way I see it, I think it's the I think the Bills stay that great because I don't think the Rams are going to be a bad team whatsoever this year. I don't think the Rams are going to be a team that struggles this badly because they're also not going to face opponents this good like the Bills each and every week. But the problem is, is that even though the NFC West isn't as good as it once was, it's still really good. I still think the Cardinals, even though I don't think they're a great team right now, they're as banged up as they are, they're much better than I think what their roster looks right now. DeAndre Hopkins will get back. Their defense will get healthier. Golden will be back from his unfortunate burns. I think this team will yeah. get better. But right now, as it currently stands, yeah, the Cardinals aren't as good as I think they will be. I think the Seahawks will be a bad team, but I don't think they're going to be as bad as maybe some people let on. I have them as a four-win team. Some people think they're going to be the, the defense, worst team in football. The yeah, terrible. Dude. I, I just I think they're <laughs> I just think they're going to surprise some folks and win a few games that maybe some didn't expect. The point I'm making though is well coached team. As I think the Rams opportunity here really regain some traction here, whereas I think the Bills can stay on that course and be a great team all season long. I'm still not buying in on the Bills as being that team that's going to win the top seed. I'm very impressed with what they did, but I wanted to get your thoughts on what you think is more likely, Rams being that bad or the Bills being that great all season. i got to go with the Bills being that good yeah. because I just don't like what I saw from the O-line and for L.A. Yeah. That, that's where it starts for me. If you can't protect Stafford and he's got to be running around making plays – that's what we saw the whole time in Detroit. You know, outside of a couple of years, his O-lines were always bad. He was always tops in the league at getting sacked. That's a bad formula for Stafford, and that's going to give him PTSD. Right. You know what I mean? You gave him one great O-line last year, and look what he, he got you a ring. You know what I mean? And it, it's still a very talented roster, yes, but I just don't see this Bills team slowing down. I think that there's a lot of vengeance on their heart. I think Josh Allen is driven. He talked about – he made that post about scorched earth Lamar coming. I think scorched earth – uh, uh, Josh Allen and, and the Rams or the Bills this year is is, is definitely a storyline too, and there's a reason there's so much hype behind them. I granted they haven't won when it matters, but I'm I'm not even talking about postseason. I'm just talking about this this regular season. I think this team is driven. They've they've never had the they've never been a top seed, no one seed in the AFC. I think that's their goal this year is to get that home field for the playoffs. Um, I, I I just I think I'm, I'm if I'm a betting man, I'm putting my money on the Bills be this good, and their skill's not that bad. Especially early on in the season, like outside of this game, this was a, one of the tough games they needed to get out their back, and they dominated it. Yeah, you know, what I mean, so the Rams. I think if I'm picking, I think the Rams are going to be struggling more most of this year and being with that O line and they looked a little shaky and staff are already getting banged up and already banged up to start the year. And now you know, it's just a bad look. Um, so I think the trajectory is what it is right now. I think it's obvious what we're looking at. I think the Rams are going to take a step back this year, and I think the Bills are going to take a step forward. And um, 
I, I'm on the hype train, man. That's why I have them winning the AFC this year. Yeah, I, I still think I still think that uh, the the Rams will be the the best team to not win their division. I still will stand on firm on that. Yeah, I still think they're going to flirt with 11, 12 victories this year. I do because I just think yeah. they're that good. I mean, McVay is that. I mean, you have a great coach and quarterback like that. It's hard to lose. Yeah. that many games. What what should be concerning for the Rams, and what's what they should be paying attention to? Are there's there's two things here. The Rams should be concerned because of the fact that the Bills didn't have Tre'Davious White. Right. And they still struggled that badly. They had a bunch of rookie and unproven guys in their secondary, and Stafford could not dice them up. And like you said, Al Robinson couldn't create separation. Mm-hmm. Him and Stafford weren't on the same page. I think that has a lot to do with the fact they didn't play a lot together in the offseason, OTAs, training camp, things of that nature. Well, the Bills' defensive coordinator uh, um, is Leslie great. Frazier. Yes. Is absurd. That's he's, he's one of the best in the league. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. He knows how to get his guys in the right places, Absolutely. no matter who's out there. So yeah, and, and for the Bills, this is what I'm going to be paying attention to immediately, like next week against the Titans, because the Titans are a team. That did not, they, outside of Traylon Burks, the, yeah. the new receiver they got. Robert Woods they, coming back from ACL. Yeah, they, they really don't have anything in the passing game. And Tannehill, I think, is just he's on a steady decline here. Even though he had a decent season last year. If if the Titans go out there and put on a show against the secondary with Tredavious White still out, it's something that I think the Bills are going to have to be concerned about. Because of the fact, then it then it contextualizes How to, likely do you think that we, is? I, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying I'm paying attention to it. Because if, in fact, that is the scenario, let's say the Titans go out there, Tannehill throws for 280 yards and a couple touches, and then the Titans like either win the game or it's a really good game, where it's like back and forth kind of game. Like We know the Titans blew out the Bills last year. Different team, Landry's out, so I understand the Titans will probably lose that game. Hey, My point, though, is... A.J. Brown. Yeah, team, no, so. yeah, no shit. But if, if, if in fact, that is the case... Then you have to start asking yourself, was that really the Bills playing that well in week one, or was it the Rams just having an abysmal game? Because, again, we can say both things exist and both things can be true, but then it starts to sway a little bit because when you have an inferior opponent, and we know something about the Bills, something they struggle with is inferior opponents. We saw multiple times last year losing to teams they had no business losing to, and that's the point I'm trying to make. Lost to the Colts by, what, 30 points. The loss to the Jags, 9-6. to six. It's something about this team that I am going to be paying attention to. If they take that next step and start beating the crap out of these bad teams or teams that I don't think are going to be playoff teams, then I'm going to start being a little more concerned about the Bills because those are games they have not won. And again, close games, games that are within one score, they're 13-16. And that's something I have to see the Bills overcome before I start giving them legitimate credit. Not even mentioning, like you said, the playoff success, going out there and beating Daddy and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. That we can wait for that one. Yeah. What I'm talking about is the regular season right now. Are they going to go out there and do when they win a big game like this? Are they going to string together more victories afterward? Yeah, I mean, football, man, it's a week to week game. You know, so if the Rams go out there and dominate this next their next opponent, I'm not going to say, oh, they're back. You know what I mean? So I can't, I can't let my emotions be uh, uh, be attached to each week by week process. I think. I think if the Rams if the Rams go out there and dominate, I think you know that's that's a good bounce back win. I think they play uh, who's their next game? I think it's Atlanta. Who the, I think the Rams, Rams? Oh yeah, yeah. Atlanta. They're, they're gonna probably go out there and just absolutely just deep pants the the, the Falcons, um, which is you know it's fine. Uh, but I'm not gonna say they're back. Just like I'm not gonna say the Bills are. Uh, that was just an uh, overinflated, um, uh, confident win against the Rams. I, I, I think they're still gonna be a great team this season. Um, I don't think the Titans are going to go out there and, and uh, put it on the, the Bills. I think the Bills are just going to de-pants them as well. Um, you know how I feel about the Titans this year. I think this is a massive step back for them this year. Well, as, we're on the same much, page. As much as I respect yeah. Vrabel and Tannehill's been great for him, I just there's just too lack of talent on that team to be competitive this year. Uh, I'm achieved last year, all being honest. Um, 
but yeah, I I, I see what you're saying. Um, I I got to get at least a five game sample size to kind of give my myself a real opinion of what I think this team is. Yeah, like I said, each 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 week is a, is it's a it's a weekly game, right? Every game is a new season, pretty much. I had a lot of these players look at it. A new opponent, you have new new strategies. Um, and matchups make fights. We know that. Yeah. We, we've seen the Chiefs lose to, to bad teams before, too. We've seen the Chiefs, you know, on their run to the Super Bowl, lose to the Titans and lose to teams that we shouldn't have lost to. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, man. I, I think I think the Bills are great this year. I really do. And I know it's annoying because I tend not to want to jump on hype trains, especially when it's like all over the media. Everyone's picking them to win the Super Bowl. I'm not picking them to win the Super Bowl. I'm not that on top of them but i have been on the hype train i loved them last year i love them even more this year because i think josh allen has continued to progress as a football player not as a quarterback but as a football player in his mind uh just from what i've seen from him it's very impressive um and i love his attitude you know i mean i, I say what you want about him i mean he's he's a, he's a rival of ours in the afc here but i i, I love watching him, man i love good football josh allen's fun to watch this team is fun to watch uh, I love Coach McDermott, so I think the Bills are great, man. I think they're well, going to continue to be great you, this you season. You and I know, I know slightly disagreed last night when we were up here just talking. Um, I think right now Josh Allen's the second-best quarterback in the league. I think outside of Patrick Mahomes, there is not a quarterback, and that includes Aaron Rodgers. And I'll, I'll respect I'm not mad Aaron. if you argue if you, if you think he is the yeah. best. I'm not. Well, I am because I have I have reasons to believe that, that Patrick Mahomes know, is still yeah, significantly the, the, the better most, than Josh Allen. Most people Allen. know that Patrick Mahomes is the best, but yes. I think right now the most dynamic player at, at the quarterback position is, is arguably Josh Allen. The, what he does and in his ability that he does with his legs, the addition of all those things. It was similar to the Lamar Jackson that his MVP year. If you think he was the best quarterback that season, I'm not going to be mad at you. I, that's fine. I still think Patrick Mahomes is the best, most skilled quarterback in this league for sure, and the be- is by far the better leader because he's proven that more than any of these other guys his age and his age group. That's what makes him better because he's proven and he's won at the highest level and he's overcome all the odds. None of these other guys have. That's what makes Patrick Mahomes superior to all those guys. But as far as like overall talent and abilities and Josh Allen is numbers – Everything's up there. I mean, he's he's. Well, according I'm to not Chris, be mad if you think according he's the to best. Chris Collinsworth, he's Tom Brady and yeah, Peyton Manning, and that was in the first half when they had ten fucking points. Right. So that was really cool of uh, Chris Collinsworth to you know, <laughs> you know, headbutt his zipper over there. But no, the the thing about it uh, with Josh Allen is I, I agree. I think that when it comes to dynamics, you you can compare him to anybody. Yeah. Uh, or you could say he's better than anybody. For me, the reason why it's 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 not even it's a non-starter for me with Patrick and Josh Allen is the fact not only is it Pat when it when it matters most because again it's so funny to me how that's the conversation for literally Patrick Mahomes and then when it comes to everybody else there's exceptions made when it comes to what do they do when it matters most yeah. well every single time it's mattered most Patrick's outperformed Josh well, Allen and you know the, significantly and you know the fuel to the fire is going to be if Josh Allen wins MVP this year Oh God! Yeah, you know, you know that that there's just gonna be just oh, gasoline oh, dumped on that bonfire. Oh, Josh Allen's the best in the league now. Exactly. Yeah, you know I mean, and this so, is why. Let me know when he wins a Super Bowl MVP. And this that? is why I have Patrick Mahomes winning MVP this year is because there's foregone conclusion. Yeah. Like we, Clay Windler, our producer, and I were having a discussion a few days ago about this about why I believe this Bills team is a lot like the 2019 Ravens, mm-hmm. where you had all this hype of Lamar. Remember uh, uh, from Pro Football Talk, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Oh, oh. Yeah, Florio, I, Mike yeah, Florio. Florio yeah, yeah, when yeah. Mike Florio was making that post about, sorry guys, but Lamar has surpassed Patrick yeah, Mahomes. that's what I'm saying. Remember and they that? had yeah. the best record, yep. and then they choked in the playoffs, and then Patrick Mahomes wins Super Bowl MVP, and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then we all sit back and go, man, what a clown <laughs> take. Now, I believe Josh Allen is a better quarterback than Lamar slaves Jackson. Of the, slaves of the moment. But I do, I do believe, as crazy as it sounds right now, after that dominant performance I'm giving them credit for against the Rams, yeah. 
as as great as they looked, I do believe, and Clay and I were talking about this, there could be a set in regression with the Bills moving forward. Think about it. Last season, if there was a time the Bills were going to be the one seed and the best team in the AFC, mm-hmm. it would have been last season. Think about it. They start off three and four. The Titans win the number one over. The Titans yeah. were even the third best team in the AFC, right? Yeah, and then I go out there and lose to the Jags. That, the, yeah, the, 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 yeah. The, the freaking uh, Bills have the easiest division in the AFC, maybe yeah. in football. It's trash. Well, it's and they win eleven better, and six. Yeah. They lose to the Patriots when Mac Jones throws two passes. Two that passes. A, that was a wild game, but yeah. Okay, but the point is, fest. the Bills were clearly the better team. Oh, yeah. And Josh Allen f- fucked up in the end zone, overthrows, I think it was Dawson Knox, I forget who it was he was throwing to, that wins them the game. That was an ugly one, man. Yeah, it was a horrible game. The win conditions, I get all that, but that win condition also worked for the Patriots. The Patriots trained the ball like 48 times yep. and still won the game. Yeah. My point is, is that I there are teams, and I talked about this, is why I don't have the Bills even getting to the AFC Championship is because that pressure gets heavier and heavier and heavier. Did they handle it against the Rams? Yes. But the Rams really helped them out a lot in that game. Let's be real. It was a combination they of the two. They were terrible. You're going to tell me right now, if the Rams played even a B game, I can make the case the Bills lose the game. Because you saw when the, the opportunities there, the Bills had four turnovers. The Bills had four turnovers, and the Rams never capitalized. Yeah. Never. So if the Rams just capitalize a little bit, the momentum shifts. All of a sudden, Josh Allen has to really start playing like smart football the entire game. He played great like that in the first half. I would have to imagine the Rams could give them some run a run for their money. And who's to say what we're talking about? Who's to say what the outcomes? Yeah. The point I'm trying to make though is that there can be a steady regression for teams that never get to the precipice, that never eclipse, get that monkey off their back. All of a sudden, the pressure's too much. Yeah. And they crumble under it. And what I love about the MVP race thing, or the the idea of Josh Allen wins the MVP this year. He's going to be overglorified as a lot of people are going to, you know, tout him as the best quarterback in the league. I love the idea that if Pat wins this year, it'll be because he did more with less. And the argument for why Pat isn't the best in the league is because he's always had so much around him. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I love I, if Pat wins MVP this year and, he, and we go to the Super Bowl, whether we go to the Super Bowl or not, or win the Super Bowl or not, if he wins MVP this year because he did more with less, because and with the, with the exit of Tyree Kill and. Uh, and Josh Allen would win MVP because his team most likely had the best record, and they maybe have a run in the playoffs. Or the playoffs don't matter, but they are they had the best record in the AFC. They take the one seed this year. That would the team success would be because of why Josh Allen. Obviously, his number is going to be great. His numbers are always great. But I just love that idea that Patrick Mahomes has always been talked about how he has he he came into a great situation. He's had Achilles, had Travis Kelsey, he's had all this all this around him from the jump. Um, so if he wins MVP, it would be because he did more with less and he dominated the AFC and this. The, arguably the best division of football. Um, that's I, I just love that dynamic, and that that'll make Mahomes' story even that much better, and the reason why he's still the best in the league uh, uh, that much more dominant in my mind. We're about eh, maybe maybe less than fifteen minutes away from having our guy Blake Sneeders join us. He's actually the uh, host of Rooted, Rooted MMA podcast. He does a ton of work for eight ten Sports Radio WHB out here in Kansas City. Uh, he is a producer for a lot of their midday shows, weekend shows. He's actually a co-host and producer for a show that I've been frequenting on and helping out with him and Jack Johnson over there, Jackie J. Uh, it's called The Shift. They uh, have that on Wednesday nights, and I've been absolutely loving that. He'll be on. 10- 
10, 15 minutes from now. But I, before we have our guy Blake Sneers on, Trevor, I want to go down a list of a couple of these matchups this week. We haven't really done this a lot on our show, and I kind of want to add that and integrate that into our show moving forward, where we kind of break, maybe briefly discuss some of these matchups, these, these notable matchups. And, and man, week one has a bunch of them. I want to yeah. kind of go down the list real quick. Uh, so the Bengals and Steelers is a game I find very interesting. I, I, I think the Bengals should be the favorites in this one. Yeah. They're at home. I think they're the better Absolutely overall team. The they have obviously the better quarterback. Um, but, the, but the Steelers do have some advantages here. One, Mike Tomlin is incredible when he's the underdog on the road. He's 19-6 and six against divisional foes in his career as the road underdog. So he'll have his team prepared. I believe that the Steelers have the better defense. I believe the Steelers have a comparable run game. Maybe not as good because obviously Joe Mixon is just an absolute freak. Najee's better. Najee's, Najee maybe as an individual is better. But I do think the Steelers or the, the Bengals might actually, as crazy as it sounds, have the better offensive line. Yeah. Um, and, but skill positions. I think it's very comparable. I think that the Bengals have the edge. Oh, yeah. But the Steelers have a ton of really good. And, and if, if George Pickens pops, George Pickens pops. Yeah. If George Pickens pops, that sounds really good, by the way. It rolls off the tongue. It roll, just rolls, dude. <laughs> teeth, the teeth, teeth and the lips. Where's that school rock? <laughs> um, if, yeah, I think if he, if he does his thing, the Steelers have one of the best stable of receivers in the entire it's league. Just who's throwing them the ball, though? That's I think this game's going to be a lot closer, man, than people think. I know that right now, as it currently stands, according to uh, CBS on NFL, our NFL and CBS, uh, the Bengals are seven per, uh, seven uh, seven point favorites. Yeah, I think this is gonna be closer than that. I think this is gonna be a really really hard fought game. I do think the Bengals win. What are your thoughts, Trev? Yeah, this matchup. This is definitely one of the ones. Uh, there's so many good matchups this week, man. Yeah. Uh, the, Week one never fails. There's so many. There's always great matchups. That, uh, yeah, this one is gonna be fun, and it's gonna be a, a call to see. You talk about um, pressure, and you know, uh, on like Josh Allen and guys, how that how, how they open this season, and you know, um, uh, against tough opponents. And this is a tough defense, you know, with T.J. Watt being out there getting after you. Um, I really am interested to see how Joe Burrow responds after coming back. You know, have a, a strange offseason dealing with more injuries and having that that that, that surgery. Um, I'm really interested to see how how he how he looks if he's yeah. shaky if he's a little rusty. Um, Joe Burrow's great, we all know this, um, but this is this is a team I'm I'm really interested to watch uh, how they their what their confidence looks like. Is the is the league gonna kind of you know uh, change the way they play Jamar Chase since he kind of burst onto the scene? We've seen guys burst onto the. Jamal, I think, is a generational talent, if I'm being honest. I think he's incredible, especially with the ball in his hands. And similar to Tyreek, he can make anything happen with the ball in his hands. You give him space. The guy is so deadly. Um, I'm interested to see how this offense plays out against that defense. This is a great matchup. And I am really – I really want to see how Mitch Trubisky takes this offense, and uh, um, you know, because we 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 saw the corpse of Big Ben the last few seasons out there. You know, still getting this team, you know, chugging this team away to to. Double-digit wins or a winning record and getting to uh, you know the, po- the postseason consistently still. Um, so I, if you, you add the athleticism of of uh, you know Mitch Trubisky, uh, I'm interested to see how this team plays against that Cincy defense. Um, this is gonna be a fun matchup though. I think there will be. I think it'll be a, a slower game though. I think this is gonna be a heavily defensive game. If I'm being honest, granted as, as great as we think that Bills offense or that um, Bengals offense is, and Jamar Chase is great, and they got you know a lot of other weapons with Joe Mixon. I think this is gonna be more of a a slower game. It could pick up as the game moves on and guys start to kind of get a little fatigued and the defense is kind of start breaking down a little bit because it is week one. We tend to see that late point scored. Um, but yeah, I, I think the story for me in this matchup is how Joe Burrow comes out, how he looks, how, how fresh he looks, if he's rusty or not. And then obviously the quarterbacks are the story for me. So how Mitchell Trubisky looks in this offense, uh, is it going to pop the screen? Is what's athleticism? He's going to use his legs a lot. Um, 
how Najee Harris looks with him in the backfield and you know how that yeah I, that, those are the those are the storylines for me I think it's gonna be a slower game to start you could pick up towards the end but I think um uh, the quarterbacks are the storyline for me in this matchup. Then we got this might sound like a surprising mention, but I'm going to mention it because of the, I think there's some cool storylines involved in this one. The Jaguars visiting the Commanders. Mm. So not only did Carson Wentz lose his last game and choke away the playoffs with the Colts last season to the Jaguars, and now he faces him the first time as the Commanders quarterback. He's facing his old head coach Peterson, who did not get along with each other. Yeah. There was some serious turmoil back in Philly, even though they did have some success. And obviously, you know, Doug wins a Super Bowl with Nick Foles the backup. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Char. I think the Jaguars are going to win this game. I think they're going to upset the Commanders. I think the Jaguars, although record-wise, won't be as good. They'll be six and eleven. I have them yeah. at six and eleven. I think they'll be better than what the record indicates. I like the Jags. They'll year. get better as the season progresses. But I think this is like the perfect storm with all the off-field issues and, and, and distractions that the the Washington Commanders have, with uh, Chase Young not playing and aggravating his injury. I think this is a perfect recipe for Trevor to really get this thing going this season. I think Doug Peterson is yeah. a substantially better head coach than uh, Urban Meyer. I think to win this game, I know the Commanders are three-point favorites, but that's usually the common case and the common sale for home teams. I think the Jaguars cover it, though. I think they win by more than three. Yeah, and the main reason to me, it's not even about Trevor Lawrence and a lot of the additions of this offense. I like this Jags defense. Yes. I love this defensive yes. line. Uh, you know, they got my rookie, my my defensive rookie of the year on that on that defensive line. I, th- I just – I love – I love this defense. I really do. I think there's a defense going to ha- have a massive chip on their shoulder because of what they went through last year. Uh, obviously, the offense as well, and Trevor Lawrence wants to go out there and prove himself and you know, kind of gives for his actual feet underneath him, underneath him with an actual coach in this league. Uh, but I love this defense. I think this is a, de- a defense that just kind of pins their ears back and just goes and just gets after the quarterbacks. So yep. I think this, this defense is going to collect a lot. They're going to be a – a pretty bad team still this year, but I yeah. think they're going to be up in the tops of the league as sacks. I think think this really aggressive with Josh Allen there on that defensive line as well. Um, I can see them going and, and making Carson Wentz's life a living hell. I really can. I think kind of rooting for it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, we know what Carson Wentz is at this point. You know, I mean, he's a guy that makes poor decisions when when he's under pressure. Um, he's got a very he's got a huge arm at times. He can make really really accurate tough throws at times too, but more times than not, he's going to screw you. Um, and he, he shows that whether it's his personality or his actual play on the field. Um, I, as much as I love and respect Coach Rivera, Carson Wentz ain't it, man. And, and, and the coach on the opposite side of the field knows Carson Wentz more than most people in this league, and he knows his weaknesses. He knows how to get after him. And I think that I think he's just going to tell that defensive line to just pin the mirror, the mirrors backs, and, and get after him. And yeah. I think that's what they're going to do. A couple more, a few more matchups before we get to Blake. We got a few more minutes. Uh, real quick on this one: Browns visiting the Panthers. Panthers are one and a half point favorites. It's essentially a you know money line type of pick. This is the biggest storyline. Uh, I, I think the one. Panthers are going to win this game. I, I, I don't believe in Jacoby Brissett as a long term answer. He's going to play for eleven weeks this season. The Browns have a lot of distractions, a lot of weight, and I think that the Panthers want to win this game for Baker. And Baker is known to be a guy that in a big situation like this where he has to rise up and use his emotions to get him through. I think he's going to do it. I think the, the Panthers, although I don't believe they're going to be a really good team, I believe them. I have them at 5-12. and 12. I think McCaffrey being healthy for right now, I think with the defense being a young, inspiring, and surprising defense this season, I think they do enough, force a couple turnovers against Jacoby Brissett, and get this victory. It's, it'll be a 2-3 point game, but I still think they cover the 1-1.5. One, one yeah, I'm iffy on this Panthers defense, but I think, I mean, the offense has got you have an elite wide receiver one, DJ Moore, and you have an elite running back in this league, one healthy. I mean, so that's a great formula for, and, and Baker's had been around great talent since he's been in the league. He's had great rosters everywhere he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and both these teams, I feel, are, are, are coached well. Um, this the story for me in this matchup is the Browns' defense. Do they respond to what they heard from Baker? Do they go out there and you know and fuck him up? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's the thing. So I mean, momentum. Well, Miles Garrett will probably get his. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, so I, I, I think the Browns. For me, I, I'm kind of in between. I think the Browns win if their defense actually shows up and they get after Baker because we've seen how terrible Baker is when he's under pressure as well. Uh, and that's a good Browns defense, regardless of what we think. That's still top yeah. to bottom, a very stacked defense. Yeah. Um, so. If I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna pick the Panthers just because I think I think Baker is very very motivated and I think he's got good weapons around him. Um, and it's in Carolina, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think that that'll be the the tiebreaker for me. I think Carolina wins for sure. Uh, we have the Packers going to the Vikings. We know the Packers are depleted right now at wide receiver. Not only do they lose Devontae Adams, it looks like Alan Lazard's not going to play out. in this game. Yep. So he's going to be relying on guys that he just simply does not trust, and they're young, unproven commodities like Dobbs and these other guys. He's getting his tight end back, but yeah, yeah, he is. I, I don't think Bakhtiari's back yet. No. So their offensive line's going to be banged up a little bit too. I think the Vikings are on their on the ascension. I think Kevin O'Connell's going to be maybe potentially coach of the year uh, candidate this year. I think that they're offense is going to click i don't know how good the vikings defense is going to be i don't know how great their offensive line is going to be but i do think for this game even though the packers are one and a half point favorites on the road i'm picking the vikings in this one to cover obviously and i think they get the job done i think their offense is going to be really good this season i know the packers defense is going to keep this one close because i think the packers defense might be the best in football Mm -hmm. and aaron Rodgers is obviously still great no matter who he's throwing the ball to but i just think that there's just too much questions too many questions around him at wide receiver and we do again we know that when he loses his trust with you he loses his trust with you. he hasn't even been able to gain trust with these guys i think it's gonna be too difficult on the road in minnesota with the with whole chance and with vikings being so they smell the blood in the water of knowing just the, how different this thing is for the packers i could be wrong i don't think i'm going to be i, th- I think the vikings win this one this is one of the toughest matchups to to, to break down and who wins because i i for me, this one just comes down to the quarterbacks, and both these quarterbacks are great in this league. Uh, one of them's a surefire Hall of Famer, but the other one is is on his way, maybe possibly, depending on if he gets to find some more success in his latter years in the postseason. Um, I like both these guys. I like both these teams. I love both these rosters. Um, I think the Packers win, though. Um, I, I think they win late at, with maybe like a field goal at the last minute to win the game because I think it's going to be a tight battle. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored here, but I think – the reason why is not because of the quarterbacks, though, necessarily. I think Green Bay's defense is arguably one of the best top three defenses in this league, I think, this year. I think they're going to be – I think I think the Packers are going to play a little bit more of a different momentum than your traditional uh, Aaron Rodgers. I think they're going to try to run the – a lot of dink and dunk and a lot of efficient football uh, and lean on that defense. Um, but I think I think the, the Vikings offense with arguably the best young receiver in the league and Justin Jefferson – uh, and, and you know Dalvin Cook obviously being who he is, that's a tough matchup for any defense. Uh, but I think the the Packers will do just enough, and Aaron Rodgers will lead them down to to a late game victory. And then we have the Raiders visiting the Chargers. I say visiting very loosely because I think that place is gonna be packed with Raiders fans. Oh, of course. I mean, like like our guy Take Nick over. Wright said, like our guy Nick Wright said, char- the Chargers are gonna play fifteen to sixteen road games. That's this LA year. for you, man. It's just gonna be stupid. They're, yeah. yeah the so fan base is it's always people traveling to go to LA. The the Chargers are getting a nice little three and a half point bump. They're they're three and a half point favorites right now. I do believe the Chargers are the better team. I do I do believe that. Uh, I do think this game is going to be a very tough game for both teams because I think both teams are going to have real inefficiencies where the Raiders have really bad uh, offensive line play. I don't think their secondary is good at all outside of maybe jo- uh, Jonathan Abram. Maybe Dobbs. You know, I'm not, I'm not big on the kid yet. He can tackle, but I don't know how good he is in coverage yet. He's young, unproven still. Uh, but here's the thing about the Chargers. J.C. Jackson's out. I'm really concerned about that because he was a guy they were really, really banking on this season. He's going to miss at least probably this week and maybe even next week against the Chiefs because it's a short week going right. to Thursday at Arrowhead. Um, I'm comfortably going to pick the Chargers because, again, I think they're the better team, even though this will be essentially a road game for them at home. I trust that Justin Herbert can get this one done. There's a lot of motivating factors for this one because of how their season ended, which was against the Raiders in Oakland or in Las Vegas. 
I, I think Justin Herbert's going to have a really big game this week. I, I, I expect him to throw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. I think Austin Eckler's going to be really well. I think they're going to do a little bit of a keep away from Derek Carr because they know without J.C. Jackson, their defense can and will get, be exposed. I don't know how good Khalil Mack's going to be. I know Khalil Mack is a great name. How great of a player he is at this point of his career, being in his 30s now, coming off an ankle injury. But I'm going to pick the Chargers. I don't think they cover, though. I think this is going to be a one- or two-point victory. Really? I, re- I think it's going to be a very close game, but I think Justin Herbert's going to play really, really well. Hmm. They might. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think This might be the highest-scoring game of the, of the, of the week. Yeah, um, I'm going to pick the Raiders here. I think this is the one where the Raiders start off hot and the Chargers start off a little slow because, they, because of the J.C. Jackson sure. and, and other things. I think this is the game where the Raiders catch them, and I think they get their asses kicked when they see them again in Vegas. <laughs> How ironic would that be I just think Vegas? I just think as the season progresses, I think the Chargers are going to be uh, uh, getting better as the year goes on. I think, I think that's... And it's usually the other way. Well, it, with the Chargers actually tend to start close, so this is kind of like right in my on brand. Yeah. yeah. So they always have early season injuries, off season injuries. I think they start slow and they get better as the season goes on. That's what they did last year. I really want to tie here, if I'm being honest. Um, I would like to see this team tie just for fun. <laughs> it's just um, so it's poetic justice from last week. Yeah, I'll put a bet 18. that these teams tie and see how much money I can make on that. Just throw twenty bucks on a tie. But um, no, I, I think I think I think the Raiders have a really good game plan coming into this game. Their defense is terrible. The Raiders' defense is probably going to be so bad. Outside of their pass rush, their pass rush is still very good. Yeah. Crosby um, and Chandler Jones will be awesome. Yes, that's going to be fun. And I think they do get after Herbert. I think they do that well. Um, Keenan Allen's always a problem. Mike Williams is always a massive problem, literally and figuratively. Um, but I like this match. This is fun. Obviously, we're going to be watching this one because this is our division. Um, but I think this is the week where the Raiders kind of get that that, that, that gotcha. Um, I think Devontae has a great game uh, without J.C. out there. I don't think there's a corner out there on the, for the Chargers that can hold him. Um, I think this is going to be a really good offensive game for the Raiders. Uh, and I think they win slim. But I, I agree with you. I think it's a lower scoring game, but I think the Raiders win slim. Uh, real quick before we have our guy Blake on, I, I do want to touch on this game because it's also in the AFC West. Um, the Broncos are face are going to Seattle, and it's right off the cuff. Russell Wilson's going right back to where he started his career last ten seasons playing with the Seahawks. I know this is going to be a very emotional game. I want to believe that the Seahawks can conjure up something and, and, and beat Russell in this game because I think that would be a better story. Mm-hmm. Because just just for the just for Pete Carroll and these new guys and this team not being expected to be very good for the Seattle Seahawks. But I, I don't really see it. I, I tried to figure out a way outside of if Russ, unless Russ just lets the crowd get to him and just finds a way to throw He's a couple an emotional picks. Guy. He is, and I will give that. I will give that some credence. I will say that I do believe that is a factor. I just think the Broncos are just. Although I'm not a big Broncos believer this year, I think they're an eight win team. Mm-hmm. I still think they're just significantly better. They have clearly the quarterback advantage. They have yeah. clearly the running back advantage. They have clearly the defensive advantage, and especially Seattle's in the defense. secondary. I, I just think that Russ is going to go out there and put on a, a decent show. I think he's going to throw probably 250 to 275 yards, a couple touchdowns. I don't think this is going to be like a 38 to seven kind of victory, mm-hmm. but I do think I do expect the, the, the Seahawks to win like 27 to seven. You know, twenty six to nineteen, kind of something like that, within like a score ish, you know, and some change. It's not going to be as what everyone's expecting, where he's going to go out there and make this big statement. I think initially he will probably look a little shaky because again, it's going to be weird for him. Tom Brady admitted that when he went back with New England, and how he didn't play well in that game either. I'm expecting though the 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 Broncos should should cover. I, I'd say probably six and a half. I'll give them the six and a half points. Yeah, this is for me layup. I feel like this is. I had the Broncos as an eight win team this year as well. Um, it this, is in prime time too, by the way. I will yeah, say yeah. in Seattle they like to you know fill in that crowd noise. I think <clears> this <throat> game is going to be disappointing though, for prime time TV. If I'm being honest, but uh, yeah, I think this is a game where the the, Bron- the Brown the Broncos probably just roll. 
Um, and it's not going to be like a great barn burner type of victory. I think they win, but it's not like a super impressive win. And I think it's a great way for the Broncos to start their season off with a false sense of arrogance um, to this offense. Um, I don't like them when it comes to tough games. That's why I have them only winning eight games. But um, I think this is a great way for the Broncos to get their season started, you know, get a W under your belt for Russ and that offense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Seattle just doesn't have much to combat the talent. Of. Granted, they still have great receivers there, but – Overall talent, that defense in Seattle is going to be bad this year. We'll get we'll get uh, the the new the new link sent to our guy Blake. We had some uh, technical difficulties earlier on the show, some testicle difficulties, if you will. Uh, but we're going to send him that new link and get that situated right now. There's all the, obviously the uh, the big storyline game that everyone's going to be talking about. It's the Cowboys hosting the Buccaneers as well. Uh, I, look, this is a game that I think is that's going to show that both teams are just not what we expect them to be this season. I think that people are hot too way too high on the Cowboys. I think people are way too high on the Buccaneers. I, I think both teams have significant inefficiencies at offensive line, especially with Tyron Smith being out. Obviously, the Buccaneers missing both their starting guards from last year. Ryan Jensen at center. Tristan Wirth banged up at right tackle. Yep. I, I think that both these teams are going to be – I think this is going to be a really ugly game. I'm not expecting this to be a high-scoring game whatsoever because the Cowboys, they're, they're not only are they messing – their offensive line is going to be bad. I, I can't tell which offensive line is going to be worse in this game. And both defenses have incredible front sevens, at least notable names like Micah Parsons. Cowboys and obviously uh, the 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 Buccaneers have Devin White and those other guys out there as well. I, I think this is going to be a low scoring, ugly game. Tom Brady's going to struggle because he, you know, you just know the upfront pressure is going to get there. I think Micah Parsons is going to absolutely tee off, maybe get himself a couple sacks in this game. But I think that uh, what's going to change the trajectory of this game is is which quarterback converts on third downs, and because of the fact that Dak Prescott can create with his feet, I think that's what's going to give the Cowboys the advantage in this one. So I'm going to pick the Cowboys in this game. I know that right now the Bucks are two and a half point favorites. I'm actually picking the Buccaneers to win. I'm sorry, I'm picking the Cowboys to win by three, so they'll cover the two, the plus two point five. What do you think, Trevor? I mean, yeah, I think I think this is one of those games where they had a battle last year, right? Didn't they? They did. Yeah. So first and, game and of the, the season, Bucks barely pulled that one out. You know, I, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I think I think this is a game where the the the, the younger, more feisty uh, uh, team in my mind should win. Um, Tom Brady's dealing with a lot of off field stuff too. I don't know where his head's going to be at in this in this in this opener here, um, but. Yeah, I think I think this is a good chance for the for the the, the Cowboys to kind of get their their you know get the juices going and get this off their back and get that first dub. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree with you. I think I think there's a lot of things missing right now, pieces wise, and a lot of things in, in, in flux for that offensive line in, in Tampa Bay. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. I think I think that's definitely um, a, a great opportunity for the the Cowboys to go get a collected W there. So so we got some great matchups this week. I mean, I, I didn't even mention the fact that I mean. I, the Patriots and Dolphins game, that's another one I think that's going to be very notable this week because of the fact that although I'm not big on the Patriots, they always seem to play the Dolphins really well. Having said that, this one is in Miami, and I know that I believe the last eight times the Patriots have gone down there, they're 2-6. and six. Mm. So the Dolphins do really well against the Patriots, even back in the days of Tom Brady uh, playing well against them down there. So I... This is, an, this is an interesting one because the, the Dolphins are 3.5-point favorites in this one. It's a noon game. The Patriots are an absolute mess in my eyes. I know people always try to gloss over and just give Bill Belichick the benefit of the doubt. He's done nothing with before or after Tom Brady to this point of his coaching career. And I think that with the whole offensive coordinator mishap, not understanding who's going to be this offensive coordinator, we don't really know what's going on within that locker room. Mac Jones, I don't believe, is going to be a good good quarterback. I think this guy's a bottom seven starter in this league. They don't have enough skill around him and the offensive side to really make up for his inefficiencies. I don't know how good the Patriots defense is going to be. I'm actually a believer in this Dolphins team 
I think the Dolphins are going to win this game, and I think they actually win this game handily. I don't think the Patriots are a very good team at all, and I think that I think they're a six-win team. So I'm going to take the Dolphins pretty comfortably with, by a double digits. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, this one's kind of tough because I think I think the 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 Patriots are one of those teams that you know can kind of win some games yeah. you don't expect them to, and they're going to this year. But I, you know what, I'm going to agree with you. I think this. I think there's a. a I think the the with the new coach. This new offense and this this very fast paced offense is probably gonna be too much for that the defense of the Patriots. Uh, but I'm gonna agree with you. I think I think Tua goes out there and has an efficient game, gets it done with this super accuracy. You know that yeah. he, he's you know he he has. So I think Tyreek goes out there and has a couple of good game, a couple of good really big plays. Um, yeah, and I think I think they uh, they go ahead and get that dub. So I'm with you on that, man. Hell yeah. Well, we are very privileged and honored. I don't. Yeah, there we go. I, I can hear it now. We have the privilege and honor of having a guy that I uh, I respect greatly. He's a really good friend of mine. He's been really good to me. He's been very gracious. He's been having me on his new show, which, by the way, congratulations. Uh, the Shift on 810. Uh, I believe it's on Wednesday nights uh, with uh, Jack Johnson, Jackie J, who hosts it with our guy. He also does a lot of other things. He's a host of a Rooted MMA podcast. He does all types of production work for 810 WHB. I'm really proud of this guy and seeing where he's taking his career. He's got tons of promise, and he's got tons of takes, both in the football, MMA, college, all sports landscapes. That's why we have him on the show, because he always gives us great content. Let's give it up for our guy, Blake Sneeders! What up, that man? might be the greatest intro I have ever received. Mr. Lance Twitterwell, I appreciate you. Trev, my good guy. What up, man? How we been, How we been, man? We're good. We're good now. We got you on the show. I, I I told you a week ago that I wanted you on here because of the fact that we got a big MMA card coming up. UFC 279. It was a lot bigger than we anticipated, or that we. It was a lot bigger a week ago, or at least a couple days ago. Now we've had some influx and some change that we're going to talk about. And I know you, uh, you're as heated as I am about one particular uh, individual doing something that uh, I I can't believe actually happened. But I actually want to start in the NFL. I want to get your we expanded uh, ad nauseum about what we thought about that Rams-Bills game where the Bills went in there and just absolutely beat down the Rams. And, and all the pressure, all the expectation was on the Bills. We knew that they were the team that everyone's just assuming is going to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Josh Allen is the prohibitive favorite for MVP. They went in there and handled the pressure, and I got to give them all the credit in the world for what they did. The Bills went in there and took care of business. Having said that, I felt that the Rams did the complete opposite. They had no fight, they had no motivation, they had no drive, and they had no juice. And they literally handed that victory to the Bills. I felt like that was one of the easiest victories the Bills have had in quite some time. What were your overall takeaways from this game? Do you anticipate this is how the Bills are going to continue to play down the road? And do you anticipate the Rams are going to play like this or something close to this down the road? So one of my biggest takeaways is uh, the first half is what I was watching, and I understand it's the first game of the season. Guys are still kind of trying to get into the live game scenario, get into their groove. Uh, but the first half to me was very telling. Um, the the Bills came out, and they weren't quite as sharp as I think a lot of people thought they were going to be off the jump. Now, that's not speaking for the whole game. I have two different sides to this, to this game. But uh, Josh Allen, to me, looked pretty shaky in the first half. He wasn't really in communication with his receivers. Now – Granted, one of those interceptions that he did throw in the first half technically is on Ian McKenzie. He is the guy who got the ball ripped out of his arms. That is not on Josh Allen at all. So you really got to take that one off the court. That being said, he still did have a turnover. Um, so what I saw was an offense from the Bills that looked like it picked up from where it left off last year. Gabriel Davis, I think, is going to have a huge season this year. 
He started off the, the uh, season with the first touchdown for them. I believe he had two on the day. Did he have two, or did he only have the one? I know he had the first long one right off the bat. but Yeah, I think it was just one. Yeah. Either way, he looked good. Stephon Diggs did killer for my fantasy team, so that was awesome. Um, but, no, the Bills looked really good. But that being said, I didn't, I didn't think the Bills looked better than they did last year. I don't think they looked any worse. I don't think they took a step back. Their defense is very intimidating still. I believe they did not have uh, Jadavius White uh, at cornerback for that game, and they still looked really good. So I think the Bills actually have just progressed into the next year. I don't necessarily know if they got any better, per se. Um, so that will remain to be seen. I think they do have a solidified number two now, though, in Gabriel Davis, so that might be the only leg up I really see. What I really saw was a Rams team, and you can call it a Super Bowl hangover. You can call it, um, you know, just maybe they had a – Maybe last year was a fluke. Who knows? I don't know. They did not look good. They did not look like they knew what they were doing. They were lost in space. Game plan wasn't right. The offense did not know what they were doing. I don't know if that led mainly to or was led mainly by Stafford's issues because he had a lot of accuracy issues in that game, and that was surprising, especially from a quarterback who not only is he known for having a powerful arm, but very accurate with the football pretty much. So that was surprising. So I'm, I'm leaning – towards the side that Stafford might be a little bit more hurt than a lot of people think. I know they've been talking about it, maybe limiting his shares, but, I mean, Cooper Cup still had 10 to 12 catches last game. He looked – I mean, he he left off right where he – you know, he picked up right where he left off from last season. But I thought that was a game of the Rams looking bad more than it was the Bills looking amazing. I didn't watch that game and go, oh, God, Bills, absolute Super Bowl favorites, chalk it up as a win for them. No, I said that's the same Bills team from last year. They just have switched a few pieces around, but I think they've where they've lost, they've gained. Where they've gained, they've lost. So, in my opinion, I think this is actually more pretty, uh, more telling, more telling of the Rams than it actually is the Bills. Bills are just the Bills. They're going to be good. They're going to do the same thing they did last year. I don't see any improvements. I think the Rams took a big dive off the deep end. Honestly, I could not. I could not agree more. I, I think Blake said it perfectly right there. Uh, there are a few other matchups in the NFL uh, for Week 1 that I think are very notable, in particular in the AFC West. We know that the Broncos on Monday Night Football are going to go to Seattle and take on the Seahawks. Now, we know that the story of this and the obviousness of all this is the fact that Russell Wilson's first game with his first new team in his career is going to be against his former team of the previous 10 years. Yeah, I try. I just talked to Trevor about this a few minutes ago. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to give myself something to believe in that the Seahawks can win this one. And outside of maybe the crowd really getting to Russell Wilson and messing with his emotions, and he gets distracted, throws a couple bad passes. You know, the Seahawks take one back and just get all the momentum. Outside of something like that happening, I, I don't really think. There's a real chance here that the, the Seahawks take a victory on this one. I think that although the Broncos are not a, a team I'm big on this year, I think they're an eight-win team. I, I don't think they're a playoff team. I think they're a fringe at best playoff team. They have a lot of inefficiencies in particular. Now Tim Patrick's been down. Uh, rookie head coach that didn't even call plays in Green Bay. Russell Wilson, undersized 34-year-old quarterback that's been sacked 476 times in a new offense. A lot of pressure on him. Having said all that, they are clearly the best team in this matchup, and I think that they're going to win this game. It might be a little closer than the six and a half point line that they're laying, but I'm going to take them. I think they do cover, and I think they go away one and zero after this matchup. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think what you have is you have um, a budding, the, the very beginnings of the budding spring of what could be something in Seattle. 
they're not even close to being there yet. They, they do have, you know, they have Geno Smith. I'd love to see Drew Locke somehow make a resurgence in Seattle. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But, you know, he's, he's got a good person to, to learn under from Geno Smith. He didn't really have that in uh, Denver at all. He kind of just was thrown into the mix and he got it going. But um, as far as what the weapons that the Seahawks have, they do have quite a few. They still got DK Metcalf. He's still a beast out there out there at the X and Z receiver. They still have Tyler Lockett. They got Noah Fant, who's a former Bronco as well. They got Drew Lock. I know he's a backup quarterback right now, but um, and then they got Rashad Penny as well as uh, Walker from Michigan State Junior. Walker the third. Mm. So they have weapons. They're just they're just not necessarily DK and Tyler are obviously proven. Noah Fant showed he can be a pretty good tight end in the league. I don't know if I'd say top tier, but so far he looks like he'd be a very, a very good, at least a starting, you know, a bottom tier starting one tight end. They just don't have the defense. There's nothing that I see on Seattle's defense that tells me, hey, you're going to be able to stop Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, uh, Russell Wilson, uh, uh, Cortland Sutton, or any of these guys, Jerry Judy. They just have too much weapons on the Denver, the Denver offense. What I want to know is how are they going to How is Russell Wilson going to come in? Are they going to, hey, Broncos country, let's ride. Let's ride. Are they going to come in and do that, or are they going to lay an egg? I don't know how they're going to they're going to match up very well. So they should, on paper, beat Seattle. I'm probably going to call it. Obviously, Denver wins. I think they cover as well. But I think Seattle will be very interesting to monitor the next two years. But right now, they're just too much in the infancy stage to see where they're going to go. Yeah, 100% agree on that as well. Uh, we also have a AFC West versus AFC West matchup uh, on Sunday on Sunday afternoon. Actually, same time the Chiefs and Cardinals are playing. The Raiders are visiting the Chargers. I say visiting very loosely because, as I told Trevor, it's going to be at least 90% Raiders fans in that stadium. And yep. the Chargers, on a weekly basis, whether they're actually on the road or at home, they're going to be they're going to have a road game for at least 15, 16 weeks this year. Um, I think that can play a factor. I think the Raiders are going to go in there feeling really good about themselves because obviously they have the mental advantage of beating the Chargers in Week 18, going into the playoffs, feeling good about themselves, having Devontae Adams, a stable of really good weapons on the offensive side, got what they consider, I don't necessarily believe it, to be an upgraded head coach in Josh McDaniels. The Raiders and Chargers have inefficiencies here that I think can be exposed in this game. I think the Raiders have a really bad offensive line. I think they have a really bad secondary. Having said that, the Chargers are a team that I don't know how great their offensive line is going to be either. I know Lindsley's a really good uh, center, but outside of that, they have guys that get injured a lot with Brian Belaga and guys of that nature. And then on the defensive side, their, their pivotal piece and, and, and their secondary, J.C. Jackson, will not be playing this game with that ankle surgery he just had. He may not even play next week against the Chiefs on a short week on Thursday night. And Khalil Mack, he's somebody you got to pay attention to. Thirty, going to be 32 years old, coming off an, uh, an ankle surgery, an ankle injury. Joey Bosa on the other side, always injured himself. Very good player, but always injured himself. Coaching decisions with Brandon Staley. There's a lot of questions here on both sides. I think this is going to be the highest scoring game of the week because both teams have insane talent on both sides of the offenses. I will pick the Chargers in this one. They're a three-and-a-half point favor in this. I think Justin Herbert's going to be the deciding factor here because I think he's going to outplay Derek Carr. I think he's going to have over 300 yards and three touchdowns. But I do think this is going to be a high-scoring game. This is going to be maybe the funnest game of the weekend. And I do think the Chargers pull this one out. Trevor picked the Raiders. What side do you stand? So this one I'm very split on because depending on what – okay, so my key to this game is actually going to come down to uh, Hunter Renfro. 
The reason it's going to come down to Hunter Renfro is because, one, J.C. Jackson is out, which means Ashante Samuel is probably going to have to cover Devontae Adams. Okay, cool. The backups to Los Angeles' uh, cornerbacks are Michael Davis, Aloe Gillum, Chris Rump. I mean, I mean, guys that are – I'm sorry, not Chris Rump. Uh, uh, what Bryce language Rump. are you speaking? <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> Bryce Callahan over here, former K-State guy, as I'm watching K-State beat the shit out of my Tigers right now. <laughs> um, How's that going? <laughs> not good. I think it's 24 – it's 24 to 3, 20 – 17 to 3, it's bad. It's not good right oh, now. Oh, that's the n- real nail biter, n- nail biter there, huh? I'm not mad. Uh, <laughs> no. I think so, so Derwin James is usually the guy that's going to come down and probably play the most on Darren Waller, okay? Then you got JC Jackson, he's not playing. So that means obviously it's not the same. I going to have to cover Devontae Adams. I don't have a significant person to cover Renfro. You can put Bryce Callahan in there, but I just don't think that. I think Renfro is significantly better than what Bryce Callahan brings to the table. So if. Derek Carr and Bryce, I mean, I want to see Renfro put up Cooper Cup numbers in this last game. I want 10 to 12 catches. I want, you know, close to 100 yards. Get him in the red zone. See if he can snag a touchdown or two. He's going to be the guy that's going to be moving the chains for the Raiders. So if Renfro can pop off and have a huge game, I really do see Carr leading this Raiders team to beating them. Now, again, like you said, let's just take it to face value. If nobody gets hurt, if Bosa and Cleo Mack don't get hurt, they're fully 100% healthy. That is going to be the biggest matchup, the offensive line versus defensive line. Khalil Mack, Tony Bosa, that is a team is fucking scary. Would not want to go against that at all. So, and that's even saying that against the Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs have a superior offensive line to anybody else in the AFC West. But even still, those two guys are scary. So, it'll really depend on how the offensive line decides to handle them. Do they leave? A, do they play more two tight end sets? Leave a tight end or leave two backs in? Chip one of the one of these guys off the edge? Really help out one side or the other on the offensive line? They're going to have to do something. Um, I don't see Josh Jacobs having a huge game either, so I really do think it's going to come down to what does Devontae do? Can Waller get off Derwin James and get open? Because he's more of a volume guy. He usually catches a lot more, and he's going to have to do that to get you know to get his numbers. But if Renfro can pop off, I think he's going to be the guy that's moving the change and keeping the Raiders in play. I do take the Chargers, but by such a slim margin, it's really a toss-up. Yeah, good call. Um, do you hear that, Trevor? I'm right. Yeah, Blake, Blake sided with me. I'm on your side too, Trevor. Hey, don't I'll play sh- both sides here, damn it. I was trying to call a tie, so. <laughs> and obviously, we have the game of the week for us here in Kansas City. We know that the Chiefs are going to visit the Arizona Cardinals, a, a Cardinals team that ideally I think is better than what they're going to they're gonna show off this week. Um, they're very banged up to say the least. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first month and a half. J.J. <laughs> Watt, aging player, still an effective player, but he's going to be a game-time decision. Zach Ertz, he's on the right path. I don't know if he's going to go. He probably will try to give it a go. But we know that this team is just banged up. Golden won't won't be playing with his burns. They know we know that they lost their their um, young cornerback. Uh, unfortunately, died this offseason. They're banged up already in their very thin off uh, secondary. Their offensive line is shaky. Kyler Murray's had a ton of distractions this offseason. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury to me is not a good proven head coach in this league. I don't honestly know outside of having a relationship with Patrick Mahomes why he even has this job. I think he should have been an offensive coordinator, worked his way up. But we know how this goes in this league. I'm not impressed by this Cardinals team, and I'm going to hold my take for the end of our show here. But, Blake, I, I think it would be an absolute and utter failure on the Chiefs' behalf if they lose this game. They are significantly better and superior at head coach, quarterback, offensive line, tight end, wide receiver, 
defense. I think that this is a this is a game the Chiefs should really make a statement. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, by all means, this should be an absolute thumping for the Chiefs. Um, the, the defense for the Cardinals is just not there. J.J. Watt, he has injury, been injury-prone for I don't know how long now. It seems like 10 years. But obviously when he is healthy and in the game, he is a game wrecker. So you always just got to be careful of that. Other than that, on the backside, the best guy that I can see on their defense that's available is the uh, you know Kansas City native, Isaiah Simmons. He's going to be out there doing something. Is he going to be the guy trying to cover Travis Kelsey? I'm not sure. They're not really sure how they want to use him yet. Uh, yes, Budabaker. I'm sorry, Budabaker as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You're right. Budabaker is the uh, more superior uh, defender. There. My, my apologies. I was so caught up in getting the Ben Neiman that I overlooked Budabaker. This <laughs> <laughs> Cardinals defense right now, and that just is hilarious. You got guys like Ben Neiman in the league still on the Cardinals. You got guys like Dan Torrance, and you got signed to New Orleans before you know, the other New Orleans signing, uh, freaking Tyron Matthews. So. Um, but this defense banged up. There's there's really no – I don't see anything here threatening at all for the Chiefs. They should be able to carve and cut and dice up all – everything they want to do on the offensive game through the passing game and really even through the running game. Um, as far as the offensive side, Kyler Murray is always going to be a threat. James Conner, in my opinion, I had him last year on my fantasy team, but just watching him play, the guy still has it, man. The guy beat cancer in college, came yep. into the NFL, had a good year with Pittsburgh, Got hurt. They got. They kind of tossed him to the side because Pittsburgh didn't know what they were doing. Now he's resur- uh, made a resurgence in Arizona, and I think he's a absolute bona fide running back number one stud. He's my biggest threat. You do have an aging AJ Green. You do have a Rondell Moore who is not playing. He's going to be out. Yeah, D Hop is suspended, so he's out. You did get Marquise Brown uh, over Hollywood Brown over from the Ravens. I don't know how much he's going to be threatening, especially unless they can get him a deep ball or something. I'm not really too worried. Zach Hearns, he's aging and always injured. So I think they should be able to beat up this offensive line and get after it. Yes, Frank Clark's going to be out, but I'd love to see what they can do at the end position uh, for the Chiefs. So this should be a wash. I mean, if the Chiefs don't put up a minimum of 35 points, I think that this is really something the Chiefs need to look at and scratch their head all right, let's move over to the side that I know you've been really, really just chomping at the bit to get to. Because tonight, as we're recording this show, uh, we have UFC 279 on the brink of taking place. And I, I Blake, you and I, Trevor and I, we're, we're all humongous MMA UFC fans. And this was the card I've been looking forward to so much since it was announced a couple months ago when we heard that my guy, Kamzat Chimaev, was going to be taking on the legend Nate Diaz, pretty much to put Nate Diaz to pasture. We knew that Chimaev was this next up-and-coming star, and he was going to be that guy that was going to really take the UFC to the next level. And as we get to the week of the fight, and they're doing the weigh-ins, we see that Chimaev not only misses the weight, but misses by about seven and a half, eight pounds. Before we get to that disaster, there's another fight that I want to get to because there's actually a couple catch weights, uh, catch weight matchups, uh, bouts in this in this card that I want to get to. First and foremost, let me get your thoughts on Ling Ling uh, feist, fighting. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, Li Jialing. It's it's, it's li- <laughs> couple couple things. So it's Li Jianliang. Thank you. That's it's they're Did all right, Lance. Good they God. Do- gotta be on the name dude i swear or else it's, it's crazy uh, <laughs> the other one and i i know that please don't hate me i, I just want to help you out so the pronunciation is hamzat chamayev 
Thank you. I'm too American over here, man. Hey, that's okay. I, I just I want to help you as a fellow brother, my man. <laughs> <laughs> You're here to restore my confidence. But let's let, let's start with Lee versus Daniel Rodriguez. I, I want to get your thoughts on this matchup. Who do you think wins? Um. So, okay. This whole card. I just need to set this up for anybody who hasn't been paying attention to this card. Originally, the UFC card was supposed to be Nate Diaz versus Hamzat Jamaya. Supposed to be Tony Ferguson versus Lee Jiliang. And then it was supposed to be Kevin Holland versus Daniel Rodriguez. What happened leading up to this entire scenario is that essentially there was a skirmish the day of the press conferences on Thursday. On Thursday, or was it? Might have been Friday. Was it Thursday or Friday? Yeah. Either way. Uh, as they were bringing the fighters out two by two, you know, one by one, they were each going to have a press conference against each other, like they do for every fight. Well, apparently, Kevin Holland's team showed up. They were in the background. Then, Hamza Chimaev's team, they showed up. They had like 30 guys with them. Then, Nate Diaz's team rolled in with about 57 guys. You know, Nate rolls deep. He's the Compton OG, Mr. Mr. America himself. A giant skirmish breaks out all over the place. Basically, Dana White, for the first time in UFC's history, comes out and says, listen, I'm not going to even do a main uh, a main headliner press conference for the first time ever. Because if I bring these two guys out here, shit is going to go down. You guys didn't see what just happened in the back. There is no video footage of it. As far as I, as far as I know, I've scoured the internet trying to find footage of these guys. <laughs> Can't find it. Leading up to this fight, there's been multiple videos of Kevin Holland and Darren Till getting into a, uh, getting into some words in the lobby of the hotel. Darren Till is obviously in Hamza Chemaev's camp. Hamza Chemaev was giving words to Paulo Costa. So there's been a whole lot of animosity and just turmoil leading up to this fight. Now, a reason why this fight was so big is because this is potentially Nate Diaz's last fight in the UFC. It's the last on his contract. He's been begging for a fight for the whole time. Dana finally gives him a fight, and it's up-and-comer, absolute destroyer of men, Hamza Chimaev. Okay, that's not the fight anybody wanted to see Nate Diaz have. Because in a lot of people's opinion, Hamza Chimaev is too good for Nate, and he's younger by about 10 years. Nate's older. That's not the fight they want. It's not, it's not good stylistically. It's just not a good fight. They, they thought Nate's health could potentially be in danger. So, that all being said... At the last second, they go into the weigh-ins, right? Well, everybody does the weigh-ins. Everybody's doing it naturally. It's all good. Everybody's making weight. Well, then all of a sudden, we get word that the headliner fight, Diaz versus Jemayev, Diaz obviously makes weight because he's a fucking professional. That's what professionals do. They make weight. When your job is to make weight and then fight somebody, that's what you do, okay? Then there's word that Jemayev misses weight. So what happens is you miss weight, you get two hours to lose the weight, okay? You get an additional bonus two hours to try to make weight for the fight. If for some odd reason you don't make weight, it is up to the fighter who you are facing to either allow the fight to continue or to not. Kamayev doesn't just miss weight by one or two pounds. He misses by seven and a half pounds. Which, when you miss by so much weight, it, it makes no sense. And it's almost like you weren't trying. Anyway, I digress. 
So basically, because he misses weight, it's now on the onus of Nate Diaz. Hey, does Nate Diaz still want to fight Jemaya? Well, he says, fuck no, I don't want to fight Jemaya. He missed weight. He's unprofessional. I didn't want to fight this guy in the first place. Anyway, you guys tried to try to throw me in the cage with him when I didn't want to fight him. Not that Nate Diaz was scared, but just because he was like, "That's I never asked for this fight. I was trying to fight many other people you didn't give me, and then you threw me this guy. So what happens is is they had multiple people kind of around the similar weights. They had Yi Jin Leong. They had Daniel Rodriguez. They had Kevin Holland. They had Tony Ferguson. And they said, okay, instead of just calling off this fight and absolutely tanking the pay-per-view, what can we do? So they rescheduled all these fights. So instead of the original fights, now everybody else is fighting a different person. So now how it looks is obviously Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson for the headliner, Hamzat Jamaya versus Kevin Holland for the co-main, and then Yi Jin Leong versus Daniel Rodriguez. In my opinion, this is a way better fight card looking at it. I was very excited to see the Hamzat Jamaya Nate Diaz fight, but... This is a better fight card, and I actually like Lee Jin Leong versus Daniel Rodriguez better than Lee versus Tony because both of these guys have huge striking power. Lee Jin Leong, very well-rounded Chinese fighter. Daniel Rodriguez, absolute beast, 16-2, and two, very minimal losses, has a ton of power in his hands, but he's a very smart fighter. This is not going to be a ground fight, and honestly – just looking at looking at this, I mean, that's the fight if I was anybody. I'd put some money on for a, a certified knockout. Somebody's going down in this fight. And honestly, I don't know who I who I have now. And there, originally, when it was Tony versus Lee, I was like, well, Tony's got this in the bag last time he fought. And until he got his soul kicked out of the stratosphere by Michael Chandler to his face, he was looking like the best Tony we've seen in a couple of years. Well, now it's all switched up. So... Now Lee actually is fighting, I, I think, a more baseline opponent for him, somebody who's a lot more head-to-head. But what he does is they both bring the power. So in my opinion, that's a toss-up. I'm going to lean towards Daniel Rodriguez because he does have the better record. He doesn't have more wins, but he's only three wins shy. But I think that he's just a smarter fighter. I think Lee can get caught. But in my opinion, Daniel Rodriguez is, is, is the guy to go. Um but yeah, looked like there was some disappointment on your faces, boys. And I, no, I, I agree with you. I'm sick of us agreeing. That's the problem here. I mean, I'm trying to get some conflict here. Maybe we'll get in the next matchup because the next one that I want to talk about is Hamzat Chimaev. Did I say it right? Chimaev. Chimaev. Damn it. I'm such a fan. I can't get this guy's name right. <laughs> well, he's he is facing Kevin Holland, a guy I'm a big fan of as well. I think Kevin Holland is a extreme entertainer. He is an extremely skilled fighter as well. But Chimaev is a 580 favorite, a minus 580 favorite, which means he's going to win this fight. It's just a matter of how. And like you said, he's a destroyer of men. Do you see any scenario that Kevin Holland can win this fight if he can? How? And and how do you ultimately see this fight shaking down? Well, if I was a betting man, throw throw 50 bucks on Kevin Holland. You're gonna if, if, yep. if off chance he if you have 50 bucks to just throw it, throw it on Kevin Holland. If you had 100 bucks to just throw it, well, just do it. Just on the off chance that he does win, because you're going to make some bank in return. But I, I just don't see a scenario. I mean, Kevin Holland, very good striker, pretty, I mean, decent on the ground, nothing crazy, but he is crafty. And one thing that these two guys both do very well, they talk shit. And <laughs> we never really had anybody talk shit to Hamza because mainly they've been getting their face turned into pulp. So it'll be interesting to see how long Kevin can keep this up. Now, he's also somebody who's not afraid to take on anybody. 
So he was obviously preparing this whole time for Daniel Rodriguez, somebody who's also a heavy-handed fighter. Hamzat's going to come in and wrestle you a lot more. So it'll be interesting to see how Kevin's training up until this point for this training camp switches all of a sudden. Or if he takes any different game plan, different approach. I mean, with, with a guy like Hamzat, you almost have to. It has to be a specific approach because he is so dominant. You have to find weaknesses and on such short notice to fight him. Honestly, I applaud Kevin Hall. That is because I think at the end of the day, this only helps Kevin Holland. One, if he loses, it shows, hey, I wasn't afraid to take on the guy that everybody thought was the best. Even if I lose, I'm still going to probably raise the rankings or, or raise people's popular opinion. If he wins, holy shit, he just derailed Dana White's poster boy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, like we said, destroyer of men. So I don't think this is a bad take for Holland at all. Don't see him winning. I think Jemayev comes in, and if he doesn't beat him in the first round, it won't go past the second. I don't believe he's just—he's too dominant. He's too—I mean, his grappling. I don't know what those Russians eat, but they have just—they just—they they rustle bears and they just eat cardboard for breakfast, and it makes them hard men eat nails. So, uh, I, I do have my money. I mean, I've got my, the, the betting odds on Hamzat that if you just wanted to try to win a large amount and you had somebody to play with, I'd throw something on Holland in the off chance. I don't think he knocks him out, though. I, I would. I think he might catch Chimaev in a submission of some sort, but I just – and I trust me, Lance, I want to disagree with you, buddy. I promise you I do. I just I, – I don't see how that happens. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. And this is, the, this is the disappointing part. But see, before we get to the main event, I, I do want to theorize on some things. I, I don't want to sound like Fox Mulder here from X-Files, but I want to believe. It sounds like you were insinuating a little bit that maybe there was a little in play here with you know the Nate Diaz situation. They didn't want to see him get murdered in his last fight. All of a sudden, Shemaev has this horrific uh, weight gain, uh, if you will, <laughs> where he's seven, eight pounds above uh, the cut. Do you think there's any foul play in here at all, or do you think Chimaya was just that irresponsible? I hate that you do so much research, Lance. I, hate <laughs> I was really hoping to come in with crazy. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> are we watching WWE? I don't know. Here's the deal. As I get mad at Chimaya for missing weight, and really, uh, if you guys want a good breakdown of it, Ben Askren, if you guys don't know who Ben Askren is, former UFC champ, or for, former UFC fighter, former Bellator champ, former one championships champion, uh, former Mizzou wrestler as well. He did a really good breakdown on the possible contract. Was this whole thing a work? Because this, this whole card had been criticized since it had been made. People did not like that Nate Diaz, Dana, people thought Dana was feeding Nate Diaz to Chamaya. And Nate Diaz has too much respect in the, in the UFC and the MMA community to just get kind of tossed away like that for his last fight. Nobody wanted to see that. Everybody wanted to see another either Masvidal rematch. Everybody's been begging for, for him and Connor 3, Diaz, Connor 3, which I would have loved to see. He just doesn't seem to want to give it to him. So people thought that Dana had done Diaz dirty. And if that was the case, if Diaz was going to lose to Chimaya, and Dana thought that nobody was going to buy his pay-per-view. What's the best thing to ramp up pay-per-view buys at the last second? Drama, drama, drama. Well, then you go in. I mean, the whole thing would have had to have been set up beforehand to stumble before. You would have either had to talk to Tony, Lee, and Chimaev, and then just 
bank on Nate not taking the fight or agreeing to switch opponents. Or you talk to Nate and Chemayev and, and Tony and Lee all together and Kevin and was like, hey, here's the deal. We're going to do this whole thing. But then you risk it actually getting leaked to the public. And if that leaks to the public, the whole credibility of the UFC is shot. I don't see them wanting to take that chance at all because that would just be so detrimental to the brand of the UFC. The other scenario I can see happening is that they were getting down to the, the final days and they realized, yo, Shamayev is not going to make this cut at all. And they knew that prior to the <laughs> Somebody from his team was like, dude, this, this is just not going to happen. Well, that's at risk of losing the main card for a pay-per-view fight. Dana doesn't want to lose money. So then they start scrambling and trying to figure out, hey, what can we do? So they tell Chemayev, stop losing weight. We have a couple catch bout weights. What makes it even more crazy is that Kevin Holland's fight against Lee Jin Leong, I'm sorry, against Daniel Rodriguez. Am I getting those mixed up now? <laughs> the original fights were. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There yeah. you go. <laughs> we got you. So, so his weight was at a 180 catch catch weight bout. But that's weird because he's a middleweight, so I don't know why they would have had a 180 catch weight bout on the card already unless they knew something weird might be in place. So that's kind of a red flag for me. Um, but at the end of the day, oh, oh so, so when Chemayev realized he wasn't going to be on weight, they said, hey, um, stop losing weight. We're going to figure out a way that we can negotiate all these fights to continue. You just might be fighting other people. And that I could see being that's not necessarily a work because – it was uh, essentially just re-game planning right before the fight started. You know what I mean? Yeah. So could it be a work? A hundred percent. But I've never seen or heard anything this elaborate in the uh, UFC conspiracies, and there's quite a few of them. Um, I've never seen anything so elaborate like that, and I don't think that Dana would want to risk his credibility of the brand that he has created with this just to do this whole play. So I really do think it was probably more of the, the third one. They kind of found out late that Kamaya wasn't going to make weight, but they had enough middleweights and, and uh, middleweights and welterweights in the area where they were like, we could do some sort of mix. Uh, at the end of the day, I actually think the fights look better. So, so this is like a blessing in disguise then? I, I believe so. I yeah. Believe, because now you have a fight versus... Uh, Lee Jeleong and Daniel Rodriguez, two guys that probably deserve to fight each other. I don't think Lee should have gone up against Tony because I think Tony, who also is probably on his way out of the UFC, depending on how the next couple fights go, why not put him against Nate, who's also on his way out? Now, mm. should he have fought earlier in their career? Probably. But getting them to fight now, when Tony looked really good last time and Nate's been begging for a, a performance to put on, this is a perfect, perfect headliner. Then you get Kevin Holland, who is a rising star, and Chemayev, who's a rising star. And then you get Lee and Daniel, who are both power punchers, who someone's going down, and it helps both of them at the end of the day. So I actually think the reorganization helped the card as a whole. Yeah. Just really, it is shady, and it is a little weird, but guess what? We're talking about it. So in the end, the UFC and Dana won. You know, I'm, this is why we have Blake on because he he talks me off the ledge here a little bit, you know, and I start getting stressed about the UFC having this card that looks so beautiful and then it gets crumbled a little bit. He builds me right back up, and I appreciate that, Blake. That is why we have you on, man. You're 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 a redeemer, and uh, you're doing great over there at eight ten. You're kicking ass on your podcast, and we really appreciate your time here, man. And and if you could just 
plug all the shows you're doing. Give all the people your social medias because I talk too much. This is your time to shine. You let the people know where to find you. All right. So first, to go over my my, my picks. Yes. I've got, I've got uh, uh, I believe I picked Daniel Rodriguez. I've got Hamjat Tamayev. I didn't pick the main card. Sorry. My boy Nate Diaz. Compton for life. I'm not from there at all, so it doesn't fucking matter. But Nate Diaz is a gangster OG. I like Tony Ferguson, but I want Nate to go out on top. It's going to be awesome. So that's my final pick. So if you guys want to throw money on any of those, you're welcome to. Somebody throw 50 on Holland, you might win, a, you know, who knows? You might win 200 bucks out of out of nowhere. Um, as far as where you guys can find me, you can see right down here, uh, Wake, in, Wake in Lake 29. That's Wake in Lake 29 on Twitter. Catch me on our other um our Instagram page called Rooted MMA. We do a lot of MMA content. Um, we interview fighters, especially here locally from Glory MMA and FAC fights. Um, I'm trying to get uh, lightweight champion uh, Brandon. I'm sorry, is lightweight champion. Lightweight champion. Where is he? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get a uh, flyweight champion um, or interim champion Brandon Moreno on the show here soon nice. here in kansas city so that would be huge so look out for that i'll keep you guys updated on that but yeah uh wake and blake 29 on twitter we're always talking me and lance are usually going back and forth on something um but yeah catch me on all those and uh you can always find me on sports radio 810 my show is wednesdays night shift on wednesdays from 7 p.m to 10 p.m yes sir and i I'm, I'm very much in privilege to be a part of that show when you guys have me on it's always great to be a guest on there you and jackie J got a great thing going on over there man and i wish you guys nothing but excellence and success and good times because i know that's what it's all about man we always have a blast together and you're a great guy man we appreciate you taking time out of your your busy saturday and i know that it's really important to watch mizzou get their asses thumped by uh the old uh emaws so i don't want to take any more of your time blake you go and enjoy that well, I appreciate it, guys. Trev, it's always good to see you. I feel like I never let you talk enough, so that's my that's on me, buddy. I I'm a good listener, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably be doing that, that quality a little bit better, but uh, <laughs> you guys have always been amazing. I appreciate it. I love coming on you guys' show every time. I love you guys' crowd, too. Your fans are awesome on Twitter. Um, and, yeah, man, it's just it's always a blessing. You guys will be on the show. Next time, Trev, you're going to have to come with Lance, and we'll have you guys on uh, for the Wednesday show. But That sounds great, bro. We love you to death, man. You have an awesome day. Thank you so much. Yeah, you guys Cheers. Yes, sir. So that's our guy, Blake Sneeders. Man, we always appreciate when he jumps on because what I love about Blake is that he gives us a myriad of takes across the board, not just NFL. Uh, Go ahead and unmute that, I believe. Yeah. Not, not 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 just NFL stuff, man. He gives us MMA. He gives us quality content. We definitely appreciate him jumping on and giving us what he what he's got, man. Go and give him a follow on Twitter too, guys, because he has a great honest viewpoint. He's not a guy that that will bullshit you. He's authentic as they come. And uh, Blake's just an all around good guy. I always enjoy doing work with him, whether it's on this show, on eight ten, or wherever else we do, man. If we're just hanging out talking MMA, talking NFL, he's a great guy to follow for sure, guys. Um, we since we don't have the Eddie hour today. Unfortunately, our guy, I guess our guy Eddie is absent. It's been a, a fun show to, to to work through. We've had some testicle difficulties. We had some technical difficulties. We had all kinds of difficulties today. Sorry. Uh, for some Sorry. reason, our our YouTube channel isn't uploading the live stream. So hopefully, we'll have that uploaded on our YouTube channel. Hopefully, that will not deter you guys from uh, subscribing to our YouTube channel. But if you want to watch live on YouTube right now, you can go to Starcade Media's YouTube channel and watch live there. But we've had a few people let us know that they didn't see it live. This is the beauty of live streaming, guys, that there's always some error in the ways. But we're going to segue now to something that, that will fill the time of the Eddie Hour. It's actually something I've been waiting to do all offseason. It is to preview a Chiefs football game. 
And we know that the Chiefs are now, as we've spoken several times over the last couple of hours now on the show, the Chiefs are visiting the Arizona Cardinals, a team that is very much banged up, That a team that had, I think, minimal expectations going into the season because I think we all saw the Kyrie distractions, the Cliff Kingsbury questions, uh, an aging defense, you know, an aging receiving core, DeAndre Hopkins getting suspended six games for PED use. There's been so much distraction around this team, and I think that when teams have a lot of chaos and noise around them leading into a season, that usually does not bode well for them in the positive way. So I'm going to try to keep this one as simple, plain and simple as I possibly can because I've been alluding to it, but now I want to give it, and I want to put it out there and, and really solidify and cement my stance on this game and what I see taking shape. Because of the significant difference between these two franchises in this particular matchup, because we know the NFL is a week-to-week season or it's a week-to-week game, that teams can look great one week and the next week you're like, man, I'm not big on this team at all. The Chiefs are significantly better at just about every position in this matchup. The Chiefs have a significantly better head coach, quarterback, tight end, wide receiving core, offensive line, defense. I think the Chiefs' defense is going to be significantly better in this matchup. They're younger, stronger, more talented, have better veterans. Yeah, you're you're right as well, Trevor. I hope so. I think the Chiefs have one of the best special teams in the entire league with Dave Tobe leading the way. Outside of unforeseen circumstances, I don't think the Cardinals have any chance of winning this game. I don't think this game is going to be close, and the biggest reason why I don't believe this game is going to be isn't going to be close is not even about the things I just mentioned about all the disadvantages the Cardinals have and all the advantages the Chiefs have. The biggest reason why I believe this game is going to be a blowout is because of the fact that the Chiefs know what comes next. Now you can look at this and be a potential trap game. The only reason I'm not buying it is because of the fact that Andy Reid always has his team down and ready to go week one. In his nine previous years with the Chiefs, he's lost one time in a week one matchup. And that was with Alex Smith in 20, I believe 2015 or 2016 against the Titans. That was just a horrific game. The only time he's lost a week one matchup as the Chiefs head coach. He's going to have this team focused and ready. We know that the offseason noise has been so heavy towards the Chiefs negatively that they're going to come out here and want to make a statement. I think because of the fact the Chiefs know they have a short week and they're going to be hosting the Chargers, another team that everyone's so big on, an AFC West rival and divisional foe, they know that they have to get out of this week healthy as well. What I am predicting is the Chiefs are going to score 28 points in the first half. I think the Chiefs are going to go out there and light up the scoreboard very early, very quickly. Patrick Mahomes is going to absolutely annihilate this defense very quickly. I think the Chiefs score on their first three drives. It's going to be very similar, and it's ironic too, because my guy Braden Turner actually posted the video uh, of the 2019 season in Week 2 against the Raiders. In, in Las, it was actually their last season, I believe. That was the last season in Las Vegas, or in Oakland, when they did not. the Chiefs did not have Tyreek Hill. And Patrick Holmes went out there and threw four touchdowns in the first half. Yep. And they ended up winning 28-10. to 10. They didn't score again for the rest of the game. I see something very similar in how the Chiefs start this game. I think guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, and a couple other of them, there's just a, a myriad of weapons. You can pick who you want to see. I think Travis Kelsey is going to get in the scoring category as well. You might even see a Jody Forts in here and there. Trevor and I can dive into that a little bit. But I think in the first three drives, you're going to see Patrick Mahomes as precise and as, and as great as he has ever been because he's going to go out there and make a statement. And I think the Chiefs are going to go out there and get a very early lead, a substantial early lead, and then coast for the rest of the game and get out healthy. That is the that is the Andy Reid mo. Most times I don't like that because mm. I like to see the Chiefs step on the neck, step on the throat, 
And I think if the Chiefs really wanted to, they could drop 60 points in this game, and I'm not being hyperbolic. I think the Chiefs are just that much better. I think the Andy Reid, if he really wanted to go savage mode, he could really go out there and run this up and make this an embarrassing game. But the, another reason why I don't think that's going to happen is because of the Cliff Kingsbury relationship with Patrick Holmes. I know that sounds silly, but that is a thing. I don't think he's going to go out there and try to show up a guy that he's very close to, a guy he played for back in college, his former head coach with Texas Tech. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I do think the Chiefs are going to score a bunch of points. Kyler Murray is not going to have a legitimate wide receiver one in this game. We all know that. At best, he's going to have Hollywood Brown, and he's going to have a 34-year-old AJ, AJ Green and an aging or an aging and banged-up Zach Hurts. Zach Ertz at tight end. And James Conner. James Conner is going to be the running back, but with the shaky offensive line the Cardinals have, I don't really know how good the run game is going to be for the Cardinals. And furthermore, I don't know how much they're going to utilize the run game because of the fact that I do believe the Chiefs are going to have a big and early lead to where the Kyler Murray is going to have to air the ball out, which is going to lead to turnovers. I think the Chiefs are going to get a couple turnovers in this game as well. I, I just I think the Chiefs are going to absolutely outclass the Cardinals in this one. It's going to feel a lot like the Steelers game last season when the Chiefs just won and it looked very easy. I Actually, I actually think in the fourth quarter we're going to see Chad Henney in this one. Mm. I think the Chiefs are going to have one of those types of games. Uh, my score is a little shaky right now, but if I'm going to make a score prediction right this second, I think Chiefs are going to win this one 38 to 16. I think the the the, the Cardinals get a garbage time touchdown and make try to make it look a little closer to what it actually is. Yeah. But I think the Chiefs defense is going to show up. I think the Chiefs defense is going to surprise some people because you know I'm going to be honest with you. You made that prediction about George Karloftis leading the team in sacks. At first, I was not with that. Mm-hmm. I think that actually is going to happen. I think George Koloff is going to lead this team in th- sacks, and I think he's going to flirt with double digits. I think him and Chris Jones are going to be neck and neck because I'm expecting a really big year out of Chris Jones. Yep. I think this defensive line, this front seven is going to be better. Not great, but better than what they were last year. I think the secondary is going to be much better and much improved from last year because they're not going to have Daniel Sorensen out there to worry about getting absolutely cooked down the field. Speaking of cooked, I think Brian Cook's going to be a guy that gets a pick in this game. Oh. I think Brian Cook's going to make a big play in this game. I think the defense is going to play well. I think Karloff gets his first career sack in this game. I think there could be a strip sack in this game, but I think Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for four touchdowns in this game. Mm. And I think that he's going to go out there and make an absolute statement. And at, by the third and fourth quarter, you're going to do a lot of handoffs. Clyde Edwards-Lair, guys, Isaiah Pacheco is going to get some run, get some opportunity, get some groundwork. And I think the Chiefs are going to get out of this game and try to get out as healthy as possible and fight and, and get ready for a big fight against the Chargers on Thursday night football on Amazon Prime. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game by 20 plus points. I don't think this is going to be a game because I can't think of a reason why it will be a game. Again, unless there are some unforeseen circumstances where the Chiefs just play horrific or the Chiefs have a myriad of injuries. Unless something like that happens, the Chiefs are going to absolutely cakewalk this game. They're going to absolutely beat down the beat the brakes off of the Cardinals. I'm expecting, I'd say, a 38-16. to 16. What do you think, Trev? Yeah, um, I mean, I, my, my main thing I'm looking forward to watching is the Chiefs' defense. Um, I think this is a great intro game into the season for the defense. They're, you know, they're playing a – a team that's you know kind of riddled with injuries right now. They're missing some star talent, uh, uh, so I think this is a great get your feet wet kind of game for this defense because I'm not sure what, what this defense is going to be yet. I'm really with all these young guys. Um, I love our linebackers in this game. I think they're really going to get after uh, um, Kyler Murray, um, and I'm really interested to see if Spags you know divvies up any uh, like corner blitzes or safety blitzes you know with with guys like Brian Cook and and uh, uh, I'm really want I don't I just want to see what McDuffie I want to see McDuffie make a play. Because we don't, it's been a very quiet offseason um, and and and, and a preseason for McDuffie. We haven't heard much about him. We know we expect great things of him being you know drafted where he was drafted. Um, I want to see him make a play. 
that's like really, really what I'm looking forward to more than anybody on this defense. I want to see McDuffie make a play. I want to see him have his, you know, his coming of age, not coming of age, but like his introductory to this league. Um, him show him him who he is. Um, I would love to see him get like a pick or a pick six or something like that. Something big for him to to really boost his confidence heading into this this tough schedule we have this year. Um, so I'm really focused on watching the defense, watching maybe somewhat Thornhill's uh, uh, leadership if he takes that next step into this defense. Uh, you know, Eric uh, uh, Reed out there doing what he does. I, I want to see some really good tackles and some playmaking. Uh, I want to see how they how they contain Kyler Murray and his his ability to, to be mobile. Uh, I just this is a big this is a challenge as far as the quarterback goes because he's a very mobile guy. So yeah. that that could, this is a good challenge, but also this is a team that is kind of decimated right now. So it's also a, not too much of a challenge, I think. But really interested to see how this defense reacts and how they come out the gates. That's the main thing I'm looking for. I'm not worried about this offense. I think this offense was looked incredible. Even in the preseason games, they looked very fluid, moving the ball around, a lot of guys getting touches. Um, I'm excited to see Juju get his his share because he didn't do much in the post, in the preseason. He didn't really – it wasn't on the field much. Um, so I'm looking for for Juju to, to do his thing, Kelsey to, to do his thing. Um, I would like to see our running backs though get some run. I like I like you like you said get a, a comfortable lead and let Clyde you know get his feet under him for the season. Uh, we want to see how our run blocking goes, but I think Pat's gonna Pat does. I don't have a score in thirty eight. I think we score right around thirty. Okay. I don't think we're gonna need to do that. I think we're, I think this is gonna be a pretty comfortable lead. I don't believe in this Arizona's offense and the defense is even worse right now. Uh, I don't know if JJ Watt's playing or not, but even if he does, he's really banged up. Um, <clears throat> so. I think this is going to be. I think this is a great introductory to the season, though, for the Chiefs. I think this is one of those wins where we can kind of try some things out because yeah. we'll have a comfortable lead. Um, but much respect to to the Cardinals and the, what they were last year, especially being one of the best teams in the league in, during the regular season. I believe going seven and zero, they started the season off. So this is a team that does want to win. This is a, te- a team that's going to want to come out here and compete. They're not going to lay down. Kyler Murray's not going to just lay down, but he is a mistake prone guy. Um, so I do expect a couple turnovers from him and this team in general. Um, as long as the Chiefs' offense plays a clean game, this 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 should be a layup for this team. Uh, they're out. They're going to be out coached. They're going to be outperformed as far as quarterback play. Um, but I'm really really interested to see Carloftis, McDuffie, uh, Brian Cook, and you know Eric Reed. These guys go out there and make some plays defensively. I really want this this defense to get confident uh, right out the gates, and that's a huge thing as far as momentum goes for this young squad. So that's what I'm looking forward to the most. I definitely expect the Chiefs to win comfortably, double digit lead for sure. Um, yeah, man. I, I want to see a Jody Fortson touchdown. If I'm going to pick any anything I want to see on offense, I want to see Jody Fortson get yeah. his touchdown, start this this uh, for other reasons. Obviously, I have some bets on there. But uh, yeah. I, I want to see that just for him, though, just for him coming back from what he did, what happened last year. He was having a hot start to this last year's season. If he can continue that, I think he's already going to be, I think he's arguably becoming one of Patrick Mahomes' most trusted and reliable uh, um, targets yeah. in this offense. You know, we can talk about MVS, we can talk about McCole having the career or, uh, contract year and all these things. But if Jody becomes what we think Jody can be, a hybrid receiver slash tight end, as tall as he is, as big as he is, as athletic as he is, man, I think that that's yeah, going to be a, a deadly weapon. With Tyreek Hill still in, in the fold, Jody Fortson was on pace for six touchdowns last season. Yeah. So it's not crazy for me to think he can be a legitimate and red Blake zone. Bell out of the way right yeah, now. That could a legitimate be red zone target. And more. as big as he is, as skilled as he is, I, I agree with you. And Jace, our guy Jason Dunn from Chief Concerns uh, said the same thing, and I think he's 100% on the money it's with real. that one. Yeah. Um, what, I said about, what I said about this matchup on uh, two gyms and a mic with Linda Dorsey and Tenacia Mahomes, what I also said on 810 this last week as well, and what I said on Starcade Media's uh, show, Arrowhead Ally, 
is the thing I'm going to say on this show about this matchup is that this is the perfect matchup for the Chiefs to go into this season with. Think about mm -hmm. it. The, the Cardinals are a good but not great team, and they're definitely not a bad team. The, I don't think the Cardinals are a horrific no, no, no. team. When healthy, they're going to be a very good exactly. team. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that this is the right, like the perfect get-right game for the Chiefs. And I don't think they have to get right, but they need to get their the feet, feet, on, feet under. Yeah, they need to get their feet going a little Especially bit. The you defense. know, new, completely new uh, yeah, defense. Essentially, if completely go, new if this defense. defense goes out there and forces three turnovers, you know, much of those guys are nuts are gonna be yeah. heading into the next game. And, and with and with the, the new offensive weapons getting Patrick Mahomes acclimated with these guys even more so, it'd be a really good opportunity, especially before a big divisional game yeah. at home on Thursday night football in a short week, for them to go out there and get that 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 camaraderie, that juice going. Because as great as it is for them to do it in the preseason and training camp and things of that nature, when you do it in a real game setting, that's when things really start to road. take off. Really start, yeah, it's really start to take shape. So I think it's it's a unique situation because although I do expect the Chiefs to blow out the Cardinals, mm -hmm. I think it's gonna be one of those where they again they go out there, hit it quick, get out, you know, twenty one to nothing. 28-7, to seven, something like that, and then kind of coast for the rest of the game. But because their offense is so skilled, I still think they're going to score a, another touchdown mm. uh, in the second half at some point. And then kind of, again, out of respect of Kingsbury, they're going to take their foot off the gas and just say, hey, we're going to get out here, get out here healthy because of the respect to him. Gentlemen's knowing win. that we got a game in five days, yep. we need to get out of here and be healthy as possible, and let's get our starters out of this game. So that's why I think the Chiefs are going to hit the ground running. They're going to go out there and annihilate the Cardinals early in this game and then go on and try to get what they can get out of that Chargers game as well at home. Back I'm going to say 30-21. to 30-20. So yeah. you have a little bit of a closer game. Yeah, I mean, it'll look like that, but yeah, I think okay. I think overall we're gonna we're gonna jump out to a, a good lead and just kind of coast the rest so of the way. Two key players to this game. I know you mentioned Karloff just a lot, but two key players to this game. Well, who are who are your guys, Trevor? Uh, for as far as overall, yes, just two guys. Uh, Karloff just is, um, isn't one of my guys. I do think he's going to be the guy as far as getting sacks. I want to see Carlos Dunlap out there and Frank Clark. Hopefully, he's healthy enough to play. I don't know if he's playing or not. Um, I want to see McDuffie make a play. Okay. I really, really want to see McDuffie. It's been so silent around him and his camp. And just overall, not a lot of reports on McDuffie as, as far as what. But I want to see our guy, our first pick of the draft, this great draft that we had, go out there and solidify himself as the guy for our, as far as our corners go. Uh, him and him and Legere out there being a duo. I'd love to see him go make a play. Um, and then offensively, I want to see Jody Fortson reestablish himself as a true deadly weapon in this offense. I know he did that in the preseason, but I want to see it. I want to see it for real again. And I'm going to see it similar to how we came. He came blasting out the gates last year. Um, and if he can stay healthy, that's what I want to see. Jody Fortson offensively and McDuffie defensively. My guys, it, I think it's going to be a very simple, traditional type of pickup uh, or uh, pick as far as who my two guys are. I think it's without question the MVP of this league that I'm predicting. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have an absolute bowler game. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to complete over 70% of his passes in this one. I think he's going to have over 300 yards, and I think he's going to have four touchdowns. I think he's going to be four passing touchdowns. I told everybody mm -hmm. on, on, on Twitter uh, that if you thought – John played a great game against the Rams. Wait until you see what Patrick's about to do to this Cardinals team. And I think he's going to, again, he's going to take his foot off the gas towards the end of this game. I do expect, though, that first half, Patrick's going to be on it. And I think he's going to show everybody, like, you, look, losing Tyreek Hill is never fun. It's never something you want to see happen. You're never going to sign up for that. Mm. But the, the loss isn't isn't greater than the greatness of Patrick Mahomes still being Patrick Mahomes, if that makes sense. You're going to still see the same guy out there. In fact, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to take his game to the next level. Like I told everybody, I think this is going to be that season since 2018, the first time where he's going to throw over 5,000 yards again. He's going to throw over 40 touchdowns. That tour begins this game. because you've seen Yeah, these four touchdowns, are they going to four different people? 
Yes, I, I don't yeah. think anybody gets multiple touchdowns in this game. I nice. think it's going to go to four different people because that, that's Patrick's mo. That's we we know he loves doing that anyway. You yeah. love you know that he likes to spread the ball out. and He's going to do that course of the season so much so that he's already apologized to fantasy owners yeah. about how the, the, there's not going to be one guy that has a great week each and every week. It's going to be something else. Now we can assume that Travis Kelsey is going to get his just because he's the most reliable, proven commodity. Patrick's best friend, yada yada yada. So I'm expecting Travis still be the guy, mm. but I do think Juju, MVS, Sky Moore, McCole Hardman, all these guys are going to have their week. You're going to see one of those guys have a breakout game here, a breakout game there. It's going to be a, 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 a smorgasbord, if you will. Mm. Uh, even Justin Watson, I think, is going to have his game. I think Jody Fortson's going to have his game. I think you're going to see a running back have five catches for 70 yards and a touchdown at some point this season. I think that stuff's going to happen. And that's why Patrick Mahomes is going to win the MVP is because he's going to utilize all of his weapons, elevate all of their games like he has done consistently over the last four seasons with all of his weapons and getting guys paid left and right. I think that's what you're going to see in this game. That's how the tour is going to begin. Look even back the last four offs or four four week ones that Patrick Mahomes has played in. Not only have the Chiefs never lost in week one, Patrick Mahomes has thrown almost 300 yards a game, has 15 total touchdowns, zero picks. Mm. This man is nails in week one. He's as good as they come in week one. I think the, the Cardinals are one of the worst match, one of the worst teams that Patrick Mahomes has faced in a week one game. I think Jacksonville and Tech, the Texans were pretty bad. One of the easiest games on the schedule for but us yeah, at this point. Exactly. And in yeah. that first start, his first uh, start in 2018, I should say, against a divisional phone, the Chargers went out there and put 256 yards and four touchdowns on him. Right. I think he has an even better game in this one and goes out there and silence a lot of critics. And the Chiefs win by by 20 plus points. I love it. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, we'd love to for if you guys hit us up on YouTube. Let us know what you guys think on there. Subscribe to our channel. Even though we don't have a live video right now, that video will be uploaded, and we promise as soon as this episode is over with. Uh, but give us your guys' score predictions. Let us know what you guys think. Who are your two players of the game? I, I, I apologize. I didn't give you guys my last one. I think the second player in this game is actually going to be Willie Gay. I okay. think Willie Gay is going to slip. the linebackers Because Kyler Murray is going to try to run in this game. He's going to try to use his... And I think Willie Gay to make it really tough for him. So I'm going to say that Patrick Mahomes and Willie Gay are my guys. You had George Karloftis. No, or, had, I'm sorry, uh, Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie. And I had uh, Jody Fortson. Jody Fortson. Okay, yep. awesome. Love those picks. Let us know who you guys' two guys are. Let us know what you guys think about this entire schedule because we're going to post our picks for every single week like we do each and every week, every Sunday. And uh, let us know what you guys think in the meantime. But Trevor, we have one more order of business to get to. What is it called? Hold this L. L. Each and every week we finish <laughs> off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. Whether those are friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports, we promise you, who is ever holding those L's in the world of sports deserve those L's in the world of sports. Trevor Twidwell, who's holding the L for you this week? Um, so I'm going to go with Luka Doncic's mom. Um, so I don't know if some this kind of kinda was kind of going under the radar as far as a story, but it's a kind of a wild story. Um, so Dallas Mavericks uh, superstar Luka Doncic is going through legal acts his mother, uh, Marijam. Polarbin, I don't. I probably butchered that. That's her name. Over control of his Luka Doncic seven trademark, um, as noted by veteran NBA reporter Mark Stein, the the Mavericks franchise face has has sent a petition to the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Stein writes that Doncic is seeking to cancel the registration of the trademark Luka Doncic seven that is currently owned by his mother. Just over a year after the trademark was filed, it was officially registered on January 7, twenty twenty. Uh, Dodgers, who has drafted third overall by the Atlanta Hawks in 2018, submitted a statement to Stein on the matter. This is his quote. I have I have a lot to look forward to as I continue to grow as a player and a person, and it's important to me to control my own brand and focus on giving back my com to my communities. The mom is refusing to give her own son, who is a self-made man, a champion at 15, 
I'm sorry. If you're a champion of 15, no one built you other than yourself. That is a God-given ability, and this kid is 100% a superstar in this league at this point. And his own mom at the, doesn't want to. And, and the thing is, if this goes to court, obviously she's going to lose. She doesn't have right. the leverage. She doesn't have the money. It's literally his name. She's his mother, of course. But the fact that she's even resisting and having any kind of pushback with her own son, I didn't know that. I thought their relationship was great as far as I knew. I remember hearing a lot of good things about it when he first got drafted. Um, that's just a. a I mean, you talk about petty. That's more than petty. That's like next level. Like I, me as a parent, I can't even imagine like seeing my child succeed at the highest level as a, as an athlete can be. Um, you know, possibly becoming the face of an entire league. Uh, that Luka Doncic is it's a stardom he's reached, um, and then you're wanting to hold a patent over his head, and it's his name, Luka Doncic Seven. He's wanted all he's wanted to do is get rid of it so he can create a new patent. Because it, it, the patent right now holds his name, so he can't make another one with his name attached to it other than, until, until the other one is gone. So he's trying to dismiss, get rid of that one, and start his own, so he can do things and brand, you know, really brand himself. Because all you're doing is holding your child back from growing more and more. And we all know the popularity of Luca that's that's growing, let alone in Europe, uh, but in the states. I mean, he's become an absolute superstar and one of the most recognizable athletes uh, in the states. So. I don't understand why. Um, I'm sure more will come out on the story to why she's pushing back, why she's wanting to hold on to that patent and hold that over her own son's head. Um, if anything, that only hurts her more because when he succeeds, she succeeds. I mean, he's his, she's his mother. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just a strange uh, scenario. We've seen we've seen things like, you know, with family involved. We've seen Rogers have his conflicts with his family and things like that, but not, not to this degree. Uh, uh, you would think it'd be the other way. But um, for that... Um, Luka Doncic's mother I'm not going to try to butcher your name again but do me a solid favor and hold this L, L because you're going to lose that case that, that's a strange scenario man I don't get it I hate PFF <laughs> what's new gonna, what's new man and I cast that out there and then I'm going to reel that one back in while I'm reeling that one back in so it's been a hell of a week for me on Twitter um, Needless to say, just simply calling out a few national media pundits has really uh, brought in a lot of attention to our show, which is obviously a goal that I have in mind and everything that I put out there. It's not just for myself or any of not any notoriety of mine. It's to grow what we do here. And the best part about it is I have peace in knowing that everything I post, everything I say is with conviction. It's with truth. It's with a genuine approach that I say things. I don't say things just to get a reaction out of people. It just happens to be that way sometimes. It's just a, something, it's something I have in my nature. I don't know what it is. But to this week, I really decided to really lean in on calling some folks out on, on things that they're putting out there. Because although it, talk shows are talk shows and it gets people to react and get their clicks and things of that nature, I still am somebody that is big on integrity, on take integrity. I want people to stand by what they say. I don't want you just to say it just to get a reaction. If you get a reaction, great. That's a bonus. That's why guys like Colin Cowherd are so great. Because I do believe what they say and they get reaction out of it. And it's good to, to chew on and dissect. And if you disagree, you disagree, and you give them your take back. That's the beauty. That's the beautiful thing about doing this. Yep. The reason I hate PFF is because now they're adding to the equation. They're adding to this dumpster fire take that Josh Allen is the best quarterback in football. And I say that's a dumpster fire take because of the fact that just like Justin Herbert, we don't hold Josh Allen to the same standard we hold Patrick Mahomes to. And like Trevor said just last week, Patrick Mahomes is his own standard. That is not the case for anybody outside of Tom Brady. 
Tom Brady is his own standard. We all know this. We all know that Tom Brady is judged by how many Super Bowls he's won, the success he's had. Now, I don't believe that is deserved. I think that Tom Brady has benefited off a lot of things that were out of his control, just like a lot of quarterbacks don't benefit off of things that are out of their control, like Matthew Stafford spending 11 seasons with Detroit, the Detroit Lions. We have this special pleading for Justin Herbert and guys like Josh Allen as well that we promote them, put them on a pedestal they don't deserve to be on yet. Do I believe that Josh Allen is an elite quarterback? Yes. Even though, I think, in fact, I think he's the second best quarterback in the league. So it's not like this dramatic gap where I think he's terrible and then Patrick's so much better. But the reason why Patrick is so much better in my eyes in some regard is the fact that he's done the things that everybody held him to a standard to. Of, well, you got to win the playoffs. You got to win big games. You got to win a Super Bowl. You got to win MVPs. You got to do these things. And Patrick did all those things. And he continues to, do, continues to do all those things, which is why he's at the top of the mountain. Josh Allen has done literally none of that. Trevor has echoed this numerous times this offseason about they, the Bills and Josh Allen get so much praise for doing literally nothing but losing to the Chiefs on an annual basis in the postseason. That's just facts. And I got Bills fans all up in my mentions. I got them all triggered. I got I got content providers. I got normal fans. I got uh, verified accounts that are chiming at me. And I love it. Because this is one of those times where I wish I was just a troll. Because I'd have a blast doing this. But the reason it pisses people off is because they know it's the truth. They know that my quarterback is their quarterback's daddy. Sorry, guys. I don't, I, I don't dictate that stuff. The truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. Our guy, Sam Munson, a guy that, uh, believe it or not, even though I despise PFF and that's where that comes into play, I'm like a Tarantino movie here. <laughs> Sam Munson's one of the few that I actually respect because I feel that he's a guy that actually builds his takes on actual um, credible sources, uh, statistics. He doesn't just make shit up like a lot of these PFF guys like to do. Um, but but Sam Munson said something that was very unfortunate this week. He yep. was quoted as saying, there isn't a better quarterback in the NFL than Josh Allen at this moment. And people ask me, Lance, why do you care so much? Because it's false. It's not correct. And I thought that, you know, we have debates about who's the best basketball player of all time. That is the number one topic in all these barbershops. Why is that such a prevalent topic? Because it does matter. Because this is competition and who the best is does matter in competition. Correct me if I'm wrong, Trevor. 100%. Why do we watch this game? To see who wins the Super Bowl. To see who's the best teams, the best players. So it does matter. And it matters to me. And I posted this before the show today to intentionally see what we'd get. And boy, did I get a reaction out of it. When it, when, when it comes to Josh Allen being the greatest quarterback in the NFL, why, why people feel that way, they always go back to that divisional round game against the Chiefs just last season, which to me was the best game I've ever seen played on a football field. But what I feel gets lost in that game more than anything is that although Josh Allen was literally perfect in that game, he was fantastic in that game. He was otherworldly, godlike in that game. Patrick Mahomes still outperformed and outplayed him. That's the thing that I don't, more than just the fact the Bills lost, and nobody talks about that. Everybody praises the Bills and praises Josh Allen for that game. They lost, first of all. Okay, that's, that's, that's a key note in all this. That's the number one factor. But the other fact is that Josh Allen was not even the best quarterback on the field that night. And that, that's unfair to Josh Allen, because as I've said on this show and I've said several times over, Josh Allen would have beaten literally any other quarterback in the history of the NFL that night. 
Any other quarterback. You put Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Montana, any of the any of the great quarterbacks you want to throw out there. Josh Allen beats them that night. That's how great he was. Only Patrick Mahomes beats him that night because only Patrick Mahomes can do what he did that night. Where even though Josh Allen had over 300 passing yards and 68 rushing yards and three touchdowns, Patrick Mahomes found a way to not only, with 13 seconds left on the clock, b- b- drive his team down and to get a game-winning field goal or a game-tying field goal and then in overtime have a game-winning drive. Not only that. He had a higher completion percentage than Josh Allen, had more passing yards, more rushing yards, same amount of touchdowns, and a higher QBR than Josh Allen had. So even though Josh Allen was at his absolute peak and was playing at peak level better than any other quarterback could have played in that situation, Patrick Mahomes still elevated above him. And again, if we're going to go by context, because I love, everybody talks about how the Bills defense was elite, the number one ranked defense in the world, no one could beat them, they were an unstoppable force, and Josh Allen was bound to get to the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes did that against that defense. And Josh Allen was going against a defense that finished literally 20th in sacks that year. And people are still trying to promote Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes. Explain to me the logic in that. And this isn't even me dissing Josh Allen. I just said he played like a god in that game. He played like a god against the Rams. I thought he was fantastic. He's the second best quarterback in this league. But this argument or this this caught up in this moment, this this revisionist history, that whatever it is that people base this this take off of, it is so inaccurate. And it's the thing that gets lost the most that pisses me off the most in all of this. That the game that people utilize to crown Josh Allen is the same game that Patrick Mahomes not only won, but played better. It's wild, man. It's wild. So for Sam Munson, for Bart Scott, for all these douchebags that stand on TV and collect a paycheck for being morons, irresponsible and dishonest morons, do me a solid and... Hold this L. People are lying to the public. And you're getting people to buy into this false narrative. Unless I'm mistaken, man, outside of one bad half that Patrick Mahomes has had in his entire playoff career as an individual player, there is no argument to even be made. Because again, and I will reemphasize again, unlike Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and even Joe Burrow, Patrick Holmes has done things none of those guys have done. He's achieved at the top of the mountain. Like our guy Mitch Holtis says, at the highest summit, he staked the flag. And until one of these guys can dethrone him, legitimately dethrone him, and represent the AFC more times than he has, I don't want to hear it. They're all his kids. Facts. And that's all I got to say about that. That's it. We've had a fun show, despite the fact we didn't have our guy, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, Eddie Ortiz on. I hate it when he's not here, because I always love getting his viewpoints and his questions in the Eddie Hour. But we always adjust. Trev, I appreciate you, man. Man in the man in the stations over there on the ones and twos. I know it's never an easy thing. That's why Eddie is a, a valuable commodity. We don't like not having the trifecta in place, because we all play our roles here. But nevertheless, we adjust on the fly. And I believe that that is how we do things here at the Spoken Podcast. We've been doing this now for four years, man. This is what we do. We have a blast each and every week. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy 
enjoyed this. I hope you guys get to our YouTube channel. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button on that. We're trying to monetize this thing. We do have our merch out, by the way. We have t-shirts available. You guys can find it on all of our social platforms. You guys can definitely order them there, and they will get you guys hooked up on that on that website. Trevor had all that put together. We have a great team here, man, and we have a great thing going. Follow Starcade Media as well at Starcade Media KC on Twitter. You can follow them on Facebook and on StarcadeMedia.com. Clint and Noah are great guys. I was just on Arrowhead Allies with them this last week, and it was an absolute blast to put out predictions on that show. I have great content. All kinds of good shows. We like to consider ourselves one of those great shows. In the meantime, guys, I hope, again, I hope you guys enjoyed that and subscribe to our YouTube channel. But until we are going to do this again, which I cannot wait for because we're going to be talking about two games with a big guest. I'm not going to reveal that guest yet. we got a big guest coming up. We have two games to digest this next episode that we'll mm -hmm. be having on 184. Uh, we have the Cardinals and the Chargers game to talk about. But for Eddie Ortiz, for Clay Windler, for Trevor Twidwell, for the great Blake Sneeders that jumped on the show with us today from 810 Sports Radio WHB, I am Lance Twidwell. Episode 183 of the Spoken Podcast is done, finished, and finito. And so we are here talking about those two games and potentially the game after that in 184. We out of this bitch. Later. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the spoke. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.